That was liquid football. Uh. Shit! Did you see that? Three, two, one, fire! This is the Green Rocket, Green Green Rocket. Up it goes into space, up it goes into space. This is the Green Rocket soaring into the air. And come tell me, Sean O'Farrell, tell me why you hurry so. Hush a vocal, hush and listen, and his cheeks were all aglow. I bear orders from the captain, get you ready quick and soon. For the pikes must be together at the rising of the moon. At the rising of the moon, at the rising of the moon. For the pikes must be together at the rising of the moon. And come tell me, Sean O'Farrell, where the gathering is to be. At the old spot by the river, quite well known to you and me. Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 205. And it's me, Gary P. And of course, the Prof. Carol. R.I.P. The Tifties Bus. Just thought of something there. I could actually make a rhyme out of that. And it's me, Gary P, and it's Carl Riley. How about that? We're going to do that next week. You've only noticed that now after, <laughs> yeah, after 205 episodes. episodes. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, safety's bus. Rest in peace, all buses. There yeah. was a massacre, a bus massacre last week. I think the less said, the better, Prof. But, um, Speaking of 205 episodes, Gary, I just want to congratulate you. Oh, do you know a what? Big, no, do you know what? I don't, I don't even want to know. A big, massive congratulations. It's Gary's 200th episode of Tifties today. <laughs> I was I was going back, I was leaving work, and I was thinking, I was listening to Paulie McGrath, and I was thinking to myself, this fucker's going to make a thing out of this. <laughs> He's going to make a thing out of it. You finally got there, Gary, the uh, milestone, 200. Well, this calls for a celebration. I will. So, of course, we are sponsored. Fantastic Ocean Electrical and Ocean Electrical on tour. They will be pulling electrical cables and light switches and all in Malta as well. So, Ocean Electrical on tour. And of course, how do you get to Malta, Prof? When you get no money, and you don't get a charter, it's less than credit. <laughs> they got your back. <laughs> we don't have a charter. Okay. So, yes, this week we have our back-to-back wins over bows and pats to talk about. So, t- the double Dublin Derby, Prof, and the very, very enjoyable weekend. It's our last podcast before we play Hibs in the Champions League. And there's an interview with former Rovers and Maltese International, Luco DiMecchio. And we'll also chat to a reporter from Malta. It's the Maltese Dan McDonald. It's Gianluca Lia. And he has the lowdown on Hibs. Prof caught up with him. Yeah, he was also on LOI Central there yesterday. So, I, I was a bit annoyed initially when I saw that. <laughs> But I listened to it today in work, and our, our interview with him is twice as long. I think it goes into more detail. So if you have already heard him on LOA Central, I wouldn't discourage you from listening to this one as well. I think you'd get a bit more out of it. Um, Standard they, for you running twice as long. <laughs> they talk about Hennessy, I think, like mostly in that interview. But um, And yeah, we're a day late again, so sorry to be messing with you. Dollar short and a day late. Use their schedules, but this might happen for couple of weeks actually because the games are on Tuesday now for a while so it is it is tricky to put out this podcast when you've got a game on Prof, Tuesday think about how happy those 50 people travelling up the Bally Buffet are going to be oh yeah you know well I mean? some people we've talked about this before some people actually refuse to listen until the trip yeah uh, 
A few of our chemistry hoops only listen on a Friday. And you don't listen to a podcast on the bus, but as we know, there's no buses. So uh, <laughs> in your cars, you'd be listening to this. In, in, in your in your cars. Paulie McGrath, ooh ah, the Killinard and Paul McGrath filled in last week. He's very good. Um, I, I was expecting a lot more. I was expecting us to get cancelled after this episode, but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, fields are actually because that was delayed as well by day uh, uh, by day. Fears were said. Rumor has it the people who pulled the Daniel Kinahan interview has done the same with the Paul McGrath podcast. Ah, <laughs> well, Paulie was great, and he filled in. Yeah, look at look at Glove. He was really good. He grew into it as well. He it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. Um, couple of the reaction to it initially in the group. I don't know if these if this was posted public or not, but uh, like Rob Lavelle is like defo giving this one a miss. Craig Mahan, I'm withdrawing my sponsorship. <laughs> And poor Paulie, he got stick as well for not remembering the the year he got married. Which he was, he got a reprieve because his actual binder or folder has two different dates on it. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. I think he only noticed that on the day yeah. itself. I saw Jim uh, Conroy before the game, uh, the Bowls game, and he goes, You got me, girl. I, I saw the picture of Paul McGrath and we were playing Pats and he's one of my favourite players. I thought it was Paul McGrath. <laughs> Second I saw that, I was thinking to myself, Prof is luring people in here. He's luring the mail to the false listens. In fairness, I put in brackets, not that one. <laughs> but uh, And he got his tattoo, by the way. He got on the on the leg, wasn't it? Yeah, he got yeah. the right calf. It's a it's a favourite spot for the Rovers Crest. I have one myself, yeah. Prof. Poor Paul McGrath. He had three different needles in the one week. <laughs> so it was the gums. It was the, the vaccine. And the tattoo. I think he might have a habit we don't know about. <laughs> the Dunlop PA prop, this was brilliant. This was brilliant. I think what was my favourite one? <laughs> Something about a car. <laughs> yeah. What was... Do you know what? Just find you on that. Coming out of Richmond Park. And we, obviously we've played really well. We've got a great win. And you just you come out the gates. So Mick Kearns comes up to me. And you presume he's going to say something about the performance of the result. This is the whack, yeah? And the whack, yeah. And all he says to me is, he has the keys, but he's forgot the He just can't find the car. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. We've lost the car. Lost yeah. the car. <laughs> I was actually a bit laughing at that one, I'll be honest. And, and then he was gone, the whack. He just walked down the road. That's all he wanted to say to me. But then, oh, brilliant. Yeah, the ghostly echo effect of the Tanoi as well. It, it was, uh, I was quite pleased with that, how that turned out. Should make it a tradition. Every every Oriel Park, hundred percent, gonna nail on, nailed on every single time. They were talking about mm. Bridge Club and everything. <laughs> Tupperware, Tupperware, the Tupperware. Yeah. yeah, a lot of women called Carmel and loud apparently. <laughs> like about nine different women called Carmel. Oh, um, just on Richie Byrne, um, <clears throat> it was an interview with him last week as well. Figure said that he forgot to send us in a question. This would have been a good one now. I might mm. have to text Richie about this. He said that. Richie brought about the only time he's ever seen a player force a linesman to be substituted. Force a linesman to be substituted. Yeah. Elaborate, prof. Well, what happened was he hit him square in the nuts with a football, <laughs> and he had to be subbed and replaced. That's a force. Definitely <laughs> yeah. a force. I haven't seen that before. The old crown jewels got a wallop. Yeah. Richie was a young player of the year winner so I was thinking we're coming to the end now of our year, player of the year mm. series there are some names left on the list but for various reasons a few the, tricky ones they either won't do it Schmanage or, relay yeah 
do we want to do it or we don't really want to do it over the phone um, so maybe start a young player of the year series yeah I think so prof I like it I like your thoughts if you look at the, the list of names <clears throat> in the first like uh, say from 83 to 98 or 9 a lot of obscure names in that list who didn't really amount to anything but then from 2000 onwards Plenty of famous names. Podjam and Craig Savez, loads of that. Did you know Robbie Gaffney got the first ever Shamrock Rovers player of the year? What? Didn't you think you would have brought it up? I know, you think you'd have brought it up by now, especially on the Wack Express going yeah. to Dundalk. Um, yeah, so we have Phelan. Great show, lads. Parsons can piss off now. Really good interview with Richie Bourne. Came across as a very decent, impressive lad. Great insight into playing against Aguero and Forlan. So, Phelan, you can fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, great stuff, Richie. I thought he was really into the interview I just loved it I was listening thinking he's, he's into it he wants to chat you know he's, he's a very very honest fella yeah and of course I'm the only one seeing the Zoom interview and uh, just like a massive smile on his face for the whole interview so and I think that did come across he's a very positive guy love his attitude yeah, and I yeah. love that he, he repeatedly credited the squad that story about Bucko training him to to ping a ball like that was a that. brilliant story yeah. brilliant story and you know what we put this into I put this up for debate talking about this actual team and everybody talks about how good they were and potentially and I was my, my question was that if they actually had like a, a stable background and a training ground and a stadium and just no madness behind the scenes would they have been able to progress you know and a lot of a lot of people thought that they probably could have well even with all those difficulties they came second so I think that answers your question. Yeah, Without so. those attractions, that was a good enough eleven to, to win the lead title. With Giggsy Hand, father of two brand new bouncing baby twins, so congratulations, we talked about it already, <clears> and <throat> hopefully everybody's well. Great intro for the podcast this week, Paul spoke very well, bounced off Prof nicely. Uh, disaster of a start to the quiz, but finished better at East Ham, Paul. Yeah, four out of ten for Paddy. I got seven on that one myself. Yes. Yeah, Without cheating. The first one that you haven't done live. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's a few people that we should. Did should you actually get seven? I got that, seven on that. That was a tough quiz. Yeah, though. it was tough. Do you know his party trying to double bluff me a couple of times? I think that that knocked a couple of points off me. Like I know what you're like. Because he yeah, because he was thinking <laughs> you do this to Gar. <laughs> yeah, you do this to Gar. Yeah. Swimmer hoop. Can we start a petition to change Gary's time limit to the quiz to ninety seconds? He's gotten far too competent at dealing with a three minute timer. Oh, he's right. I'm getting handy. Yeah. I'm able to chat in between it and everything. That's a great show. Two minutes. I'll do two. I think 90 might be harsh. Do two. Two minutes. Because two will leave me struggling, sweating. We'll go two. We have to give the listeners what they want, Gary. They like to hear you want. stressed out. <laughs> More so than actually get them right. Put, so. a, put a mic in me sitting yeah. room and you might hear it. Uh, so bad news. Unfortunately, the quiz is on a break for a few weeks. Because ah, of those... The Tuesday games messes up everything, you know what I mean? It has to coincide with the media team. All the, the huddle. All that technical... Uh, bumbo jumbo, bumbo you know? jumbo Im- impressions and, and all this shit you know what I mean um, so yeah that, that's, that's it for last week so that's it and also Prof the the uh, the sweetness today we're, we had a bit of chocolate Prof it's not uh, Twin Peaks no it's not Twin we've Peaks we've moved on from Twin Peaks we've moved we? on to Tony's Chocoloni and that's the actual name of it and where did you find Tony's Chocoloni um, do you know what when there's something new in the shop I just buy it I want to taste it I want to feel it so we went for Tony's Chocoloni. Is this some sort of Italian stereotype chocolate? Or? <laughs> I don't know. It's actually ethically sourced. It's actually quite bold. It's very bold. This chocolate, yeah. Belgian fair trade milk chocolate, right? So we went with the hazelnut. 
and we went with the dark chocolate <laughs> almond with salt 51% prof which one did you prefer I preferred the uh, dark chocolate one. You preferred the dark chocolate? You I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of dark chocolate. Actually. Yeah, so this one was delicious. Now, we're going to have a little chocolate segment every so often. But uh, hoping to lure in somebody, some poor unsuspecting company, to give <laughs> us all their money and we'll eat all the chocolate. Yeah, Tony's chocolate only. All right, so, Prof, we're going to talk about the football. We beat Bowes 1-0 and tell on Friday. Lions and Cavill wingbacks back, an unused sub, and he didn't return off the bench until three days later in Chicago. So, yeah. uh, great buzz to this one, Prof. Good build-up. I was there early enough. I was happy enough. I was there about 6 o'clock. Went in, got some grub. Whole family with me. Nice build-up. I never see you in the suite anymore. I think, like, you do your own thing. And then you come in at, like, half 7. But then I leave at half 7. Yeah, you're finishing a point on picking one and up. And then we're in different stands. So, like, I don't see you until, like, the, the podcast now. We're like <laughs> ships in the night. Well, I see you in work, but... Uh, no Talbot for them, either. Uh, both teams down a few bodies, weren't they? Like, yeah. Um, like we had a couple of 16 year olds on the bench Danny Berkey not footy fit no Jack Frugid Towel Finn suspended so missing players definitely yeah we're, we're missing quite the spine of our stro- of our side as well and, um, Brazilians were back prof they were back with their ding 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 their tinny drums yeah the Brazilians are back so it's um, good to have them back making a habit of it Paddy Dillon's minutes applause as well Darren's dad so well deserved and our condolences to the family of course yeah that's our former strength and conditioning coach Darren Dillon his dad um, and, I, and I also want to sad note the build up to the game Gar. yes unfortunately Stephen Bradley spoke publicly for the first time but it was 8 year old who was very sick and hopes to respond well to treatment so um, yeah we just wish him all the best hopefully I mean, there's, there's only that's all he can do is wishing the best. And if there's anything needed, the fans, I'm sure, will turn up in our droves and and help out. But all the, all the, we wish him all the luck and all the, all the best mm. in the world. Hopefully, a speedy recovery for young Josh. I think we had the same reaction to this, and we were both just, it was speechless because for six, it was so horrendous to read this. And in the interview, he he admitted that he may miss more games because family comes first. As you do, he said the club has been great with him. And you couldn't have a problem with that really. You couldn't if no matter how many more games he needs to no. miss, whatever take whatever, whatever he needs you need, to do. Yeah, take whatever you need. KMC, a Bowls fan, prof. Biggest game in Irish football tomorrow, and the way in still has a handful of tickets left. Doesn't help that the club has half the hardcore fans banned, and these hippies who became members and season ticket holders won't travel to Tala. Joke shop. Yeah, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a fucking cop out for me. So you're telling me that a band fan can't get an away ticket? Don't give me that bullshit, man. You want a ticket, you get one. It's simple. So prof, Gar's banned. Gar's banned from 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 fucking Tala. Can't get a ticket. Banned from being a member. Okay, you're you can get me a ticket. You can get me a ticket. Simple. Don't give me that bullshit where you can't get a ticket and everyone's banned. Cop out. Biggest cop out I've ever heard. And you saw one weirdo sitting in the east end, was it? It was like weirdo. Behind enemy lines, look yeah. at me, I'm TikToking. <laughs> yeah, I'm TikToking. And then there was that this is a great summary by Gar Brennan. Uh no e tickets. It's on TV. Being kept in for, for twenty minutes post match. Fears for personal security and being searched on entry. These are just some of the jibbo excuses. For being unable to sell out their allocation, the big club. Yeah, it's like um, I put it up on Twitter, Guantanamo Bay. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> it's quite similar. I feel bad for them though. There should be human rights activists outside the Tallaght away end. There wasn't many left though, was there? Just looking over, like, I did about about hundred. 
They could have fit another yeah. hundred in there. I'd say. Was that on the right side? Yes, right before yeah. the the board, the section cordoned off. Um, we'll talk about the football now, Prof, well, which couple, was fantastic. A couple of notes before we go into the football. Uh, flares thrown on the pitch. I think I counted eight in total. After them, have a go on at us about flares in Dalyman Park. I reckon my thoughts on this is that they listened to the the podcast with the two boys, the groundskeeper, and they thought, "Fuck this," that's what happened. First thing I thought Sneakily throwing 10 cent coins Everywhere yeah. just sprinkling them It's not going to work though They scour that pitch For yeah, coins trying to, trying to break Our expensive yeah. machine In the sweep beforehand I was with uh, The one and only Mark Turner And uh, I wasn't snooping But I just noticed As he was on his phone As you do Like we're in We're in different Whatsapp groups And one of his Whatsapp groups Was called Turner's Fanboys Whoa. Not not our one The different one A different one and I just looked at him and I was like, you are so notorious. Like, how many times has our group been named after him? Do you know what he reminds me of? Do you ever see that Twitter account that we all laugh at? It's called Big Les. Les Davidson. Oh, yeah, he's got That's it. him. Turner is him. <laughs> but I was like, you're so notorious. You have two WhatsApp groups named in your honour. Um, do you know some of the stewards were kind of not on duty? They were just kind of in with the fans. Yeah, they were just standing around. Um Con Murphy Also mm. off duty I was actually sitting beside him For this game Maka um, Hold on he was there And he was off duty Yeah Because it was on RT Ah nice Guess the game Actually sit and watch and the game For once Nice Con Murphy Off duty con Is very different To on duty con He <laughs> He actually swears Yeah Have you ever heard Con Murphy swear <laughs> No I don't think I want to He's capable He can do it Is it like yeah. um, Is it like when On Father Ted uh, Henry Sellers Gets a drink into him <laughs> Okay. I made LOITV <laughs> Just ringing up Gertz <laughs> Yeah Yeah so on to the game um, First half prof I was very happy with the starting lineup as well uh, Were we shocked? I don't think so I weren't too, wasn't too shocked um, No like I said We're missing bodies mm. um, It was really only one major chance In this first half And that was Greener wasn't it? The header And it was it. I didn't even get to look back at the replay It looked like it was going was it, it was slightly low Was it a chance uh, it was, I don't know if I'd use the word sitter But <laughs> It's one of those I'm going to use the word sitter South stand is a little bit tough I think When you're he, shooting into that direction But it was, was sitter yeah I think he should have been burying this Yeah it was a big chance It was Stockholm-esque hmm. I'd say Oh um, god Stockholm-esque yeah. But we're talking A derby first half That's what this is Especially first 15 minutes It was so tight Feeling you should have railed That sort of thing Um I think we uh, tested the keeper from a free kick early on. Yeah. Danny went close from long range before half time. What's he had a shot? What's he had a shot from long range? Kind of yeah, that was kind of our chances. I suppose the talking point was the was the tackles in the first half, was it? Or was the second the half? Levingston one. Lee Grace was in front of us when it happened, it was in the first half. So the tackle definitely the first half, because I remember thinking we had a great view of it and we were thinking it was brilliant. So we were shooting into the into the starting square end. Yeah, it so was the first half. Levinson and Milgerman. That was never a it was, free in. Well, it was a shocker for tackle from Levinson on on lines, which the Bowes fans have been celebrating ever since. Yeah, because they don't have any results to cheer about. And like that photo that popped up, the only thing bit of bit of silverware they've lifted was Key Ward at the festival. <laughs> Was that you? Was yeah. That was a cracker. Of a Literally line. the only thing they've lifted in celebration <laughs> was keyboard. Yeah. yeah, so a shocker of a tiger from Lemison and then immediately following that because that's not given an unbelievable 
challenge from Grace. Oh, it's which, beautiful, which is it? which is given as a foul, and you're just watching this thinking, "Do you understand football? This is this is Harvey." Isn't it? I have to say, right, Harvey, that was the most bonkers performance from a ref I've ever seen. I've, I've ever seen. It was mental how up and down he was. It was not the. I, I don't. Do we use the term schizophrenic? I don't think we can use that, but you know what I mean. It was so up and down. It was so inconsistent. It, it was like he was trying to make up constantly for the mistake that he made, and it was just so so poor. Do you think his behavior changed after the Cavo decision? Because one hundred percent. Because you said at the time that that's a red. I I agree with you. Can we talk about this? Actually, I, I think that's a red. <clears throat> now he's miles from goal. Right here's the, the here's the interpretation well. of the rule. It changed in the last couple of years, right? It's up to the ref to interpret whether he feels that he made an attempt on the ball or not. Camo could have got a fucking there, WWE contract here. There was no attempt. He was like fucking Edge spearing someone. He speared yeah. him like it was. And don't tell me Pico's covering because it was a promise, was it? He's he, Pico's about. He was away. He's 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 yards away. He was gone. But Pico is cute as fuck, man. Pico decided to. He knew this was happening. He ran as fast as he could and he cleared that ball. Why? Because it made it look like he was covering. The ref, yeah, in his smart. mind, yeah. is looking and thinking, Pico just cleared that, therefore he's covering him. So now I can't send him off. No doubt in his mind whatsoever. Pico had it stopped, put his hands up and goes, oh, fuck's sake, or whatever. He's off. So the think, dark yeah. arts are back, bro. So we're saying for the rest of the game, then Harvey has that in the back of his mind, then it's like, oh, fuck, I should yep, have sent yep. him off. And then 100%. A lot of decisions go both way then, you know? Yeah, definitely agree with you. But it was a it was a real talking point. It really was. But he bottled a lot of decisions, Harvey, and I'm I'm, I'm not surprised. This fella has to go to Kosovo next week as well. Don't forget. And then an absolute hell of a start to the second half, which I did not see. No, <laughs> because I was in still in the suite. Milling the points. I timed this sub. Normally, I just I'm in there for about fifteen minutes. No messing about a mill. I think there was no added time added on the first half. So I think that was very first, little, very little. I think yeah. that threw me as well. So just as I was coming out the doors and then I just hear people saying, yeah, we scored. Prof Swampin, the Guinness. And I got fierce stick from this, from missing this goal. But the, I, told, I made the mistake of telling Bradder about it and then oh, he was taking the piss no. out of me. Oh, no. But, uh, but the but good thing, the you, thing about this game, this goal was... The, the gap never chance just before that as the well. The initial chance was on a play. Because I didn't see this. It was ridiculous. So it was a great, great ball in. Possibly Danny. Um whipped in beats the defender and it was one of those where it just has to be stabbed in it's 6 to 10 yards out but it's like he took an extra second and then let the keeper steady himself and he just hit it at the keeper it was an open goal it was a fucking open goal and I was thinking to myself that's the chance we're not going to get another one two minutes later <laughs> Barry's one well not Barry's yeah. but he, he did very well it was like uh, it, was, it was similarly scrappy to the one he scored in the Earlier derby hmm. in Tala, wasn't it? There was a header from across and it was going down. It was Danny Mandrew heads it down and what, he just uh, yeah. turns and swivels and kind of gives it a little knock in and then Bob Dylan uncle. Watts corner. Yeah, Dylan Watts. Um, his, his, his set pieces have improved as well. It's something that we were kind of missing slightly. Was that a good whippage, a good yeah. fast whipped uh, set piece and he's starting to, to produce them. And like I said, Gaffney has scored the winner for the, the previous derby in Tala. So he's scoring... Big goals, difference makers. Yeah, player of the month as well, well deserved. I think that's who I went with. I think he won it by some distance as well. Yeah, definitely deserved. He, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the Pats game. 
fucking gaffer. What? Oh, what? oh, these two games. His his hold of play in these two games. He was ridiculous. Was man. sensational. Absolutely unbelievable. But uh, as we move on towards the end of the game, did they really create anything else of note? I don't think so. Um, did we? Well, we had two good chances. We had uh, Hor had a header cleared off the line. Oh, it was brilliant, man. It was great. It was great. And then another one from Danny, which then dropped Danny, onto the crossbar. Yeah, he sort of looped onto the top of the bar. Um, <clears throat> so they were out chances. It was. They were, yeah. They brilliant, were, brilliant second half. They off. were pushing for the equaliser. But uh, I, saw, I saw you praising that back three. Yeah, I thought. Grace had a phenomenal game. Do you know what? This back three Actually, are really Gra- Grisham Park, Grace was even better. I think he cleared him off the line and that, that night, didn't he? Unbelievable, though. This back three are just gelling so much lately. It's it's solid. They're <coughs> fighting for each other. They're, they're in the trenches. It really, really feels like that. And I love a good defensive performance. And they have been unbelievable as a, as a unit. They're really, really mm. gelling. Perfect timing for coming into Europe as well. So, Brazzer admitted that Bowles had... Maybe the better the first half. He he said twenty five minutes. Um, but other than that, we were the better team. Um, promise in fairness, he was an he's absolute a, nuisance. A fucking pest, man. He's a bully, isn't he? Yeah, there was one stage where I think it was when they were shooting into the first half into the sales stands, and he lost the ball, and then he won it back again, and then he lost it again, and then he won it back again. I was both impressed but also horrified. Yeah, just like look what like sometimes <laughs> at at times when he's running, I'm like he doesn't know what he's gonna do. This was on the edge of the box. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you clear the fucking ball. I'm thinking to myself when he's running at someone, I'm like he, I don't think he knows where he's going. He's just <laughs> winging it and it works. But Pico, him and Pico's battles are great. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, will he get into our team next season? Have you heard his just keep believing and dreaming. You can play for Shamrock Rovers one day. Um, um, just some other in-game notes. Uh, it was a tweet from Paul <coughs> Little, uh, journal, and he says, "Rovers ball boys continually throwing the ball away from the Bowes players. <laughs> Looks poor to me. Kids should be told to do the job and have a little respect." Shut up, you poor. agents of the dark side is what they are. Well, as an interviewer of the ball kids and persons. I reject your tweet, sir. I think <laughs> yeah. it's incredible. And may, long may it continue. There's another instance where... Did you see the one the, where we were one of love and he went to... like <laughs> Tyg Ryan was looking for the ball and he went to kick it like a kind of a GAA punt. But when he went to throw the ball onto his foot, he threw it behind them <laughs> instead of actually kicking it. So it went forward or back. And he, was like, he put his hands up. He was like, sorry. Was like, I don't know how I'm sorry. Do you also know it's the floodlight pole uh, Got a bit on smoke. The, the, where the new North Stand is being built? Well, smoke coming out of it. Yeah, If that had been a, a, a UEFA European match, that game would have been called off. Yeah, what, what, yeah. is that what happened? Everything has to be working for yeah. That's what I was told, yeah. Ooh, prof. But, um, get the whack in there. Get Ocean, sorry. Ocean Electrical. <laughs> Ocean Electrical. Yeah, but especially after losing to the doctor previous week, it was all about getting the win, wasn't it? Uh, aside from the obvious great bounce back being really a derby was. Yeah. it was just all that mattered was getting that win but I will say like Bowes just don't have the cutting edge and it goes back to their their lack of professionalism off the pitch when it comes to being a professional football club I mean they're, they have a big budget they, they pay big wages but they train in the evening and they have 
two managers who have day jobs who come and train them in the evening time where these guys possibly might not work as well so I, I mean heard, um, ultimately if they're gonna I hear they're going full time next year and they're gonna go daytime training so it's it's it is affecting them. It really is because they're, they're they're giving Crawley and Long a lot of leeway here to kind of do their own thing, and ultimately they're not putting the club first. Like Crawley and Long have day jobs, therefore that's their number one priority. They just train this team in the in the during the, during the week, and they get a few quid for it. It's not their number one priority. It's not because they go to work. Well, Crawley was on Elway Central there. It was it was about as boring as you'd expect. <laughs> But he was he his argument was it doesn't matter when you train, spell how you train. Are you for real? That that was his uh, argument. Yeah. So you're telling me that someone working an eight hour day, going to train at night, and then possibly playing a game the next day, that's more conducive or effective than pl- training in the morning, having a rolling session, doing whatever you need to do, getting some good rest. I remember he has a job in the uh, National Library, library or something. Law library. Or, or, or library. Um. I remember that some people made a thing of that at the time when he was at Roberts. But um Yeah, and then we had the huddle after it was Pigo instigated this, wasn't he? Beautiful. He, he called everyone in. I like how they like ninety eight percent of them were there, but they wouldn't start until everyone was in there. Like they called over Tony McCarthy, who I actually interview in, in the programme um next week. Everybody made their way over. Yeah, everyone oh do you know who missed it though? Neil Ferrugia. Friuja got was in the tunnel, and uh, he went to the dressing room. And was like, "Where the fuck is everyone?" He yeah, missed it. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, but um, yeah. So we had a really heartwarming moment, and then uh, I think we've a new tradition now. After we win games, prof, we go for the old. Do you know? Did you see the tour done? He was just like, "Oh fuck off!" He was, <laughs> was real humble. Like, do you know? It's a Richmond Park. He was just finishing his usual applause. And then we all started going, Ooh. and he looked around and was like, oh, they want me to do the thing again. <laughs> they want me to do the thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but the huddle was fantastic. In front of the sales stand, there was a great picture of that and of Brazzard doing the fist bump. Mm. Um, the, the sales stand, all singing Stephen Bradley's name. This coming after what was an emotional week for him. And if you heard him on the RTE interview afterwards, speaking about his son watching from hospital and when you hear that line your heart just sinks You're just like, and oh, you hear man. his voice breaking as well as he says it Yeah, he said the same thing to me but he, he, he'd just done RDE so maybe he kind of got out of the system um, Gaffney man the match so it was up there yeah, do you know what it was It was a tough one because I've been saying this for a while is that we've, we haven't really had a real standout man in the match lately am I right in saying that do you agree with that well, when we play well, I find there's like two or three contenders. Yeah, and there hasn't been that in a while. But it wasn't the case at Bowes either, to be honest now. I think I was I was hemming and hawing over who I thought should get it. And I think I went with Gaffney because of the goal. How Watts played well. I didn't think it was man-to-match stuff. I thought our back three were brilliant. It was tough. It was tough to call. So I think Gaffney mm. deserved it for winning the game. It's my second interview with Gaffney now in as many weeks. Because he was man-to-match against Shells. <laughs> or, or Sorry, he wasn't. No, actually, Pico was. But we wanted someone different. So he's we went for Gaffney. pitched, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he, had, he had a good quote, actually. He said, It's the reason I want to play for this football club. Nights like tonight. Full house. Pitch is fantastic. Stadium is class. It's just a great atmosphere. Yeah. Fucking class, isn't it? Uh, we move on, Prop, to the 7,500 attendance. Absolute cracker. South stand. Absolutely bouncing. Bouncing. And uh, my, we, I had the whole gang with me, and Moya was, Moya was knackered. Moya fell asleep 
during this whole thing. She fell asleep for the whole second half. Part time. She, she was parked, just parked her off. Like we used to do years ago when we were in the pub going on holiday when we were younger. Just parked them off in the corner. Sleeping <laughs> children, in you go. Velvet rope. Um, yeah, <clears> so massive attendance again properly. I love how everyone's taking the piss out of balls for the oh yes sir we can boogie. <sighs> like even Derry on Twitter the other day. Just so you know, right, the piss out you missed the, the best thing ever, right? So everybody's singing yes sir you can boogie 80 minutes in and Maloney is like a madman. He's looking over and and he's just nodding, you know the way, nodding, the arms folded. He's going mad just as yeah. the 90th minute. I've never seen someone dance so animated in my whole life. And he's boogieing down the whole time. It was the funniest thing ever. Was he annoyed about how early we were doing the song? Yes. And in general, because even the 80th minute, he was looking at going, nah. Not, I agreed with that now. That actually, that came up in the pines afterwards. Lads were going mad about that. Why sing that song on 80 minutes? Yeah, no, it's prim- It's like singing a green, You're green ribbon when you shouldn't really, you know. I mean, can you not just wait until the end of the game or, you know, it's injury time and we're tuning it up, that sort of thing. But that, you know what I think it is? I think fans haven't been hit with a late equaliser in a long time and mm. they've forgotten what it feels like. I remember what it feels like. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Now, Derry got a late winner, but I'm talking about an equaliser. I'd have to go back and check the stats, but... It just not in the last few years, years there's not been many in the browser so I wouldn't tempt fate at that personally but um, nonetheless uh, and that includes uh, fuck off balls it's time to go home singing that one as well you know wait until <laughs> the result is sealed yeah yeah but nonetheless they were sent home on the bus blending into their Dublin bus seat covers <laughs> can't believe they actually did that one still can't yeah. believe bus wankers do you know what they sang? What the hell is that? While we did the huddle. Yeah, they sang. They chanted during the minutes. Applause as well. It's just can't play class. Yeah, off. the eight-minute applause. That, that's for for Brazzers eight-year-old son. Yeah, um, like I said, some great photos. The fist bump. Mark McDermott on the media team got a cracker of a photo behind Brazzer with the fist bump. Um, two more UK vloggers. At this game, I didn't watch those, did you? No, no, I'm fed up with this <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm done with the vloggers. Someone brought up uh, an Instagram post by uh, Mr. Lambert. This was posted back in 2018. I think he's with Keith Ward at like a festival or something. <laughs> oh, that's the <laughs> one where he's lifting him in the air. The one it? Keith Ward, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just says, only one Stephen Bradley. August 2018 oh god and you're like aged beautiful oh that aged well oh yes (sighs) and like I said with the with the Pines crew afterwards the usual lads in great form (laughs) Uh, you know the way Sligo are going to Wales yes for the Converse League (laughs) the whack just goes whack express would have ferried that (laughs) (laughs) would have ferried to Wales Uh, Mick McCarthy oh we need a boat trip don't we yeah Mick McCarthy got his booster and do you know the way he has the football loves us on his upper arm? Uh-huh. So you got the shamrock. Oh, it's not once a hoop, always a hoop. Yeah, but... Has he got the football loves us? Well, it's the football loves us symbol. Yes. I know and it one says one. once a hoop, always a hoop. And so he said the, the nurse was about to to give him the vaccine. And she said, oh, yeah, you're a shamrock. I was a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. And so she's like, I'm going to have to put it right in the centre of the ball now. All right, it's okay. I said, yeah, yeah, grand, yeah. I'd say Mick had a ton of jokes for that. So she put the put the needle in right into the middle of the football and he goes, tss. 
Oh man, I love it. Oh, I wish I was there. I wish. He was so proud of this as well. Um, yeah, some of the lads were kind of reminiscing about charters. We've done a couple, haven't we? But um, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty. Lovely. Oh god. Yeah. Like uh, Liam Kearns was talking about coming back from uh, Italy on the charter. All them drenched after the game. Passports phones broken, broken and all. Yeah. Picture of us went up actually you put it up didn't you? Five years ago on Tuesday. Us in the pub in yep. Iceland. Our first one wasn't it? That's the, I love that photo. I like that memory. Great one yeah. Some of the lads were convinced that we weren't going to play at the, that this game was going to be moved in Malta to the National Stadium next door. Rather than the, the shit box that we're actually going to. Hold on. Centenary we are, Stadium. We are going to the ship. Wait. Yeah, we're in the ship box. The sh- how, well, what's the Only capacity? holds like one or two. Te- well, are we? But the, the bus we booked is for the fucking National Stadium. But it's right beside it. Okay. It's well, literally you know, like, right. you could throw a stone at it. But, um. That might happen, yeah. But, um, now I believe it is. That's a centenary, not the, the Cali. And, uh, once again, Gary, I brought this up before. The programs are being kept too near the drink. Oh, not again. Who's I'm using not impressed with this. I just looked over. I, I stared someone down. It was a program just folded. Did you shadow box? Fuck, yeah. Program folded up in between two points of, of uh, a Guinness. Why would you even do that? Jim Conroy would be disgusted by this. Imagine the spillage. I'm... Um- you can't be using fucking programs as coaster. Actually, I think it might have been Carl Kearns. He might have been the culprit. And I was telling him about my Super Dry program holder. I reckon Super Dry designed this jacket to hold programs. Just, it's like, it's just the perfect width. Keep it away from the spittage. Just put it in the coat. That's what I'm saying. So, new results, Prof. We have Dried at home. Nil all to Sligo. Shelbourne nil, Dundalk nil. No, uh, no... Hold off on that for a second. No Stephen O'Donnell this week. I'll get back in there. We might be able to get him on. UCD lost to Derry at home. That was a tight one, Prof. Penno won it. It will patching Penno. Was that Derry's first win in what, seven? Eight, I think. Even. Nearly eight, maybe. You're right. You could be up there. If I told you that Derry, when they uh, played us in Tata, that they wouldn't win again until now. <laughs> we were shitting ourselves after Would that Would you have believed me? Not a chance. Not a chance. We were shitting ourselves. Uh, Harps 2, Pats 2. <laughs> Eaton mess to the rescue. <laughs> wow. 97 minute. Eaton boil. Get up. Pats two up until the 88th minute. Best nine grand ever. Um, <laughs> other European ties, Prof. Sligo, Derry and St. Pats. Who have they gotten? Sligo got Balatown. We need a Freddy yeah. trip, don't we? They have a tiny allocation, apparently, to uh, Wales. Yeah, I think they'll survive. <laughs> don't, I don't think they'll I know, them. but by any league variant standards, like, what was the, I can't remember what the We're bringing 2,000 Wales. Simple. You're probably right. Yeah. We brought 4,000 to, well, we brought 3,000 to Wired Lane, plus another 1,000 from various places in England and abroad. Yeah. Derry, who Derry got? Derry got Lafayette, if, I, if I'm right, if I'm correct. Um, Pats have, I'm not too sure, I can't remember who it is. But it's. Uh, Just on the FAI Cup game as well, uh, we're drawn away to Banger. Uh, we're that, discussing this that, actually that game will be in Tata I'm being definitely told definitely in Tata I always think of Richmond yeah um, I suppose similar to Bluebell remember we drew them that was held in Tata mm. Glenville I can't remember if we were actually drawn a home or away in that I one I think we were but, drawn a home but it was in Tata yeah. for that one. 
And just another news, Garrett, you, apparently you, oh. have signed for Sligo. Oh, yeah? Uh, you're a doppelganger. Oh, An Estonian <laughs> player. From Estonia, Frank Livak. Anyone with any sort of hair I get compared to. Well, not just any hair. If you've got hair and stubble, who's person? Bit of a, a quiff, you know? Ooh, quiff boy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just... That, you know the way, like, if we if we beat Hibernians, then we play, most likely, uh, the Bulgarian crowd. Uh, what are they called against? Ludogrets. Ludogrets, yeah. And if we lose, God forbid, we're going to be playing the Icelandic team, uh, Reykjavik. Yeah. Uh, was it Viking or Reykjavik? Yeah. Because so, they won their preliminary round. They have a semi-final and a final. And you notice they won 7-1 away to Levadia Tallinn. Fuck off. Or sorry, 6-1 away. Away? Away. Well, sorry, no, all these games were held in Iceland. But my point is, it's hard to make sense of these scorelines in Europe sometimes. So this is Levadia Tallinn, right? Who beat Flora well, to the league title. Losing... 6-1 to this crowd from Iceland yeah. I agree with you because I mean like we're talking about Europe we're talking about past opponents and stuff like that like we're, we're talking about Lavadia and Flora Flora beating us like does that make any sense <laughs> the toy was a year ago the toy was two years ago three years ago all these other toys does it make sense to talk about that toy in connection with the upcoming toys that haven't been played yet do you know what uh, I mean Yeah. can you gauge <clears throat> What a team is like by previous results, which could possibly mean there could be 10 players in, 10 players out, could have been a big turnover. Well, Do you know man, what I mean? Is yeah, it similar to saying, oh, 2009 Rovers would beat this team? Or it's like Stephen Bradley been asked about. You know? uh, oh, Hibbs gave Shelburne a good game in 2002. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, nice one, that, yeah. that's relevant. Yeah. 20 years ago. But uh, I thought Gianluca, who we, you'll hear from later on, he kind of, he was like he was reading my script. I was going to ask him, you know, is this the same squad as last season or the year before? And he said that this manager has taken over in the Italian in 2018. It's pretty much the same squad. Mm. So that's four years. So you can actually look back to 2019 and gauge them by that. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's a stat for you. Gary Parsons with the stats. This is, <clears throat> this is ridiculous. Stupid stat. So every one of their players that has a Wikipedia page, which is... I think 11 of them. I'm already liking where this is going. Um, their average age of the squad of players that exist on Wikipedia <laughs> is 30 and a half. There you go. So based on this small pool of players yes, who so they're only starting have 11. They've been an 11. internet presence. So let's say those 11 players all start. That's their, start. That's their average age, 30.5. <laughs> but I looked at it because yeah. the first four players I looked at were all 34 and 35. And I was thinking, these are their big hitters. This is the Hugo Vieira's, the... Augustine, whatever his name was, was 100 caps for Malta. I'm looking at it thinking, okay, it could be on something here. They'll probably play five 19-year-olds now who have no internet presence. Yeah. Um, Super kids, wonder kids. So that's the Icelandic crowd, but I'm not even thinking about that guy. We're not thinking about the Icelandic crowd. We're thinking about the Bulgarians. I'm already lining up a Bulgarian interview. So <laughs> confident that I am. It's not, it's not cockiness, it's just confidence. I've already searched Twitter for a few potential journalists to interview, right? And I came across one, and I decided to rule them out. Why? Purely because of his bio. What does it say? It just had some stuff about, oh, you know, updates on Bulgarian football, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the bio, it said, see my main YouTube channel with 200 flowers. What does that mean? He's a florist? 
That, that means he misspelled followers. Oh, right. He's <laughs> <laughs> a florist. I'm going, probably he's a florist. Yeah. So I was like, eh, no. No, we're going to avoid that one. Yes, so Prof, we have, next up we have Luca DeMecchio. So we're joined now by Luke DeMeck, uh, something of a cult hero for Rovers for his memorable spell with us back in 2002. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Luke. Hi, you're right. Hi, everyone. Who's listening? Can you, be- can you believe it's been 20 years since you were in Ireland? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I sure feel uh, my age nowadays. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, and like I say, I think I, I I stopped playing about what six six years ago now, so um, yeah, my body is um, feeling it. So uh, my wife wakes up when I wake up in the morning. She 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 hears me getting out of bed. So yeah, it feels like twenty years. Don't worry. So you were born in Floriana. You were just saying off there that you moved to the UK when you were young. So talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think at the age of eight, I moved to the UK. Firstly, uh, Scotland, and then. Then obviously um, down to uh, Nottingham, where my parents still live now, um, and which obviously tried to do uh, tried to play football in the UK, um, didn't quite make it at the YTS youth level at that time. Um, and went uh, my parents went to live in Barcelona, and I decided to go back to live in Malta at the age of eighteen, and um, tried uh, try playing out there, and that's exactly what what happened. So I started playing out in Malta from the age of 18 till I think uh, I left Malta in 2001 or 2002 it was and I went over to play in the UK and around that time there was a um, there was kind of an issue with uh, the I think first division up to the uh, third division, I think, where um, ITV had kind of a sponsored uh, a deal that fell through. So there was a lot of clubs struggling with um, with finances. So I was um, I was at Notts County at the time, um, but they were still waiting for either a takeover or something. And my agent, uh, who had put me in, in in touch there, says, "Listen, Luke, we've got a um, I've got an opportunity to fly out uh, to Dublin." Um, at the time, um, got got an opportunity for that to Dublin. And I was like, okay, um, what is it? He says, well, you've got you've got a game. Um, so I, I flew out, um, not knowing what to expect. And then uh, I went and played a friendly. I think it was with the uh, youth team because the senior team was still um, uh, at. Uh, they were they were playing in Europe at the time. I think it was the final game before before the league start. And I think I played the friendly and. Next thing, next day, it was like, yep, sure, we'll sign you. And that was it. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> and I was sat in, sat in the hotel room thinking, okay, Saturday we play again. I think it was Shelbourne we played the first game. Um, it was like, um, I was sat in a hotel, been there like three days, just like sat in a hotel. And I'm cool, we're going to play against this team. I've got no idea what the hell's going off. And just like, all right, and that was it. <laughs> and that's how it all started, really. <laughs> did you ever hear how they uh, spotted you? Like, did your agent tell you that they scouted you? Was it Liam Buckley who was aware of you? No, it wasn't actually. It was. Um, it wasn't at all. It was like um, I think it's just a matter of fact that somebody was looking. Um, my agency had like uh, had just informed us, and Luke had got this this chance for you to go play in Ireland. Um, and at the time, I was like just trying to get myself sorted out to play abroad, right? Because I'd been based in Malta for 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 like six or seven years from that time. I'd um, won the league already, won trophies. Uh, was, was represented in the national team and I actually thought it was the next step in my career right I always had like this 
I think uh, from when I didn't make it in the UK, from when I was younger, it was like, ah, oh, shit, I've got, I've got to try and get myself back out to the UK, right? And um, so I was just, again, just just really eager to try and make anything work. And with with the UK not working, that was the next best thing. Um, and I just turned up, um, like I said, bags in my hand, boots. So I think got off the plane, went to the hotel quickly, shower, change, and went to play. That was it. Um, I was actually really lucky because I played well. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and uh, that was, like I said, then it was just a matter of fact that it was just like, all right, cool. Um, we'll take you on. And I was, like I said, it was, it, I was grateful because it was my first experience playing abroad and um, trying to, to sort of see exactly um, how, how that, how actually being professional, although um, Shamrock wasn't professional at the time, I was I was professional from myself, so it was a matter of just doing that, right? What were your expectations in terms of uh, the the grounds in Ireland, the, the standard of football, <sighs> and the culture? And then, what was the reality then when you got there? I don't know really. Again, it was um, it was all a bit of like um, I, I was expecting it to be a lot like the UK, right? Um, I didn't realize that um, the league had, wasn't still a hundred percent professional um but it was it was it wasn't hugely i know eye-opening because obviously i kind of expected it from the uk so the level or what the players were like playing in the uk so i kind of expected it to be kind of similar i didn't expect it to be rainy as as, as rainy as i found it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um it was like overall, it was a great experience. You know, it was my first foray out, out playing in Europe, um, and obviously, um, it was kind of um, it was a bit different because I was obviously playing as a central midfielder when most of my life, most of my career, I had been playing as a centre back. Um, but like I said, it was it was it was interesting, um, uh, and it was it, it, again, it was it was very fond memories when I was out there um, because obviously. It was the first time I was playing abroad, so uh, for me it was it was it was it was very special. Now, obviously, along my career, I ended up playing in the UK, I ended up playing obviously in Cyprus, and uh, playing in the Europa League group stages and all that kind of stuff. And so, but it was it was the first stepping stone in that. So it it it's, it it could have been easily somewhere where I could have gone back to Malta and not succeeded and just gone okay, cool, and this is for me, but. The chance that um, I got with Shamrock obviously kept the fire burning to keep persisting and keep moving and keep going forward, right? And when someone mentions Shamrock Rovers to you when this uh, interview was arranged, what one or two things pop into your mind from from your year spell at Rovers? Um, again, I, like I've, I've, to be fair, to be honest, like I said, I've cut myself away from football since I've stopped, so I don't, I don't really have much don't really do much of everything. I don't even play football as, as a hobby anymore. Um, but um, again, it was like, I just, to be honest, it was just a, it was just a random uh, message on, on, on LinkedIn, which I was like, Oh, it's like, why would they want to speak? It's like, why would they want to speak to me? <laughs> but yeah, it was like, so it was like, yeah, sure. No worries. Um, I, I'd gladly talk to, talk to you about this. Um, 
not sure how how fond how fond the memory people have of me or or, or not but again it's just it's, it's always nice just um, reliving uh the past and in, in a certain thing and to be honest it was i had a really good time it was like as i said it was it was my first experience it, i did spend a lot of time in a hotel um at the time um was that but, the plaza hotel was it? yeah exactly i i, I did about um <laughs> five months living in the plaza hotel were you with the the moroccan um uh, samir buganem no 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 um i don't think he was there at the time to be though though to be fair um i don't know if it was it was it was, a, it was something that that you that uh shamrock did at the time i was i was supposed to be waiting it was a really weird time because when i when it, you guys had just changed to euros and um there was a whole problem i couldn't without an id i couldn't open up a bank account um so it was just like really weird kind of um the uk and europe it was, was was all a bit weird at the time you know and um having an, an account opening up an account was was something that you had to have an address i was living in a hotel so i couldn't really have an open an account it was just like <laughs> it was just like okay brown paper bags of money at the, at the end of the week here's, here's your wage all right cool and me sending my girlfriend at the time back home back to the uk to put it in my account it's just like um, all right <laughs> don't know how that happened <laughs> yeah it was it was it was really good as well you know um i thought as a as a season we had we we did really well to start with um i had a really good cup run which was a shame that we didn't win but um we qualified for europe which was the main objective at the time to get back into europe to keep that going um obviously we just missed out on 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 the trophy um which was i think we just a day a really bad day we had a really good run in in, in those in those games you know beat those um i remember it was it was a nice rainy day um but yeah um so yeah, i've got very very fond memories of it um i did end up playing against st pats um later on when i was back in malta with um with Valletta. Yeah. So I came back and played out in, in, in Ireland again. So yeah, it's, it, it, it still holds a lot of very fond memories for me. You mentioned the cup run there. I think you actually played in midfield in the semi-final win over Bowes. Uh, I was reading that you played quite well that day. And then the final was in Talca Park, uh, yeah. our own home ground. I mean, nowadays you probably aren't aware, but nowadays our finals are played in the national stadium in front of 30 plus thousand Whereas this was a, a smaller ground of Talgo Park. What was that like? What was the day like sort of playing um, in our own stadium, I guess? It was, it was, well, technically it wasn't. Um, we were still, it was technically Shelbourne Stadium, right? Because mm. um, uh, we were still in the process of building ours. Um, yeah. But um, it was a bit weird. It was, it was, um, it, first it was a bit of a sunny day, which was unlike what you would expect. Um, but it was like really had we really had a lot of trouble trying to break down Derry, I think, at the time. And they only beat us by a goal, a single goal, I think. Um, but we just yeah, I don't know really, maybe if it was just um we had played so well against Bows and it was it was such a big game uh, that we did really, really well. Um that maybe in the final we I just thought maybe we just underperformed a little bit, to be honest. Found it hard to break them down. We we had the majority of the play, and I think it was just a single goal that they beat us by. So it's, again, it's just 20 years ago, and 
trying to trying to remember exactly yeah. everything that's happened is, is, is also really kind of hard but um yeah it was still a really nice day you know I, it's kind of awful um when we had everything planned to go for a meal afterwards and just having dinner and everyone's kind of all together just like gutted that we've lost but still having to kind of do all these kind of things so um yeah but it was it is what it is right um everyone had the, the in finals it's it's how you perform on the day that that, that gives it to you and unfortunately we didn't play well enough well fans I've, I've seen online anyway remember you as being good on the on the ball like what were your attributes that you think suited the way rowers and me and buckley played that helped you adapt to football in ireland um again i think i was um i was pretty quick as a player although was, um which was my one of my main attributes but also um i was strong so um it was always a case that that was my main two attributes which kind of helped in 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 ireland because obviously you had to be pretty quick because otherwise if you didn't move the ball quick enough you you'd get you 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 take a hit in. and also um, like I said, yeah, if you were playing in midfield, which still was out of position for me, um, you'd have to be kind of good on the ball, right? So, um, yeah, um, I didn't quite, I, it took me a while to get used to the pace of the game. Um, but again, it was it was all um, part of the learning curve, I think, towards um, just how it was. I think I, I did struggle towards the end of the season with... Um, either playing with Morton and then coming back and then having a game on a Thursday. I think we used to play either Thursday or Friday and I'd play on the Wednesday, fly back Thursday and then have to play Friday. So yeah, there was, there was, it wasn't the most, I certain situations weren't always that ideal, but um, again, it was, it was how, how, how it was the league at the time. Right. Um, I don't know if it's probably still the same because yeah, I think at the time, at the time, it was because they had just changed it to the summer league, right? So you'd have more opportunities to be in peak condition, peak condition when you came to play in Europe. Yeah. Well, there one or two Robbers players that you were call uh, stood out to you as being really good, and also were the one or two teammates you got along with really well that you were. Well, I, I used to have Hunter used to keep keep coming, have, having to pick me up from the airport, uh, from the <laughs> hotel actually. So because he was quite quite close, so him and Paul. Uh, Caffrey were, were kind of two main ones who really kind of um, looked after me when I was there, right? Um, so um, yeah, I was very uh, very lucky, and obviously um, Hunt, Hunt, Hunty was 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 just a young kid starting out, right? And um, before obviously he went to play in in the UK and in and, and in England. So um, yeah, probably though those there was a few other a few other ones as well. Um, obviously, trying to remember everyone is, is kind of hard. Can you remember any interactions with uh, the Robbers fans? Like, uh, I remember they used to sing to you, uh, Luco Demetrio. Uh, <laughs> no, again, not really. Not really. It took <laughs> such a long time ago. It's yeah. um, it's actually sad. Like I said, it's 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 it was all, everything that I everything that I experienced in Ireland was 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 fabulous. Even even the the, the help from the supporters. Um, there was a few that obviously. Um, helped me try to settle in 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 uh, Ireland as well, you know, uh, especially at the time. Um, I think I was only 26 at the time, so I was still trying to figure out everything in in, in life in, in general. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, so fans were great. The 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 coaching staff and the players were always great as well. Um, even though, I guess maybe some of them kind of thought it was a bit weird. Who's this guy with long long hair? 
<laughs> and, and a band. <laughs> you probably always yeah. thought out, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't such a common thing at the time, right? So uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was a good experience for me. It's. It. It. It still brings a lot of memories and a lot of smiles to my face. Well, there was a couple of things I had sent in from fans. Uh, one Mick said he actually had a Rovers Malta flag for you at the 2002 right. Cup final. Right. And there was another one. Um, two Rovers fans actually went over to see you play for Malta against Israel in the National Stadium in Malta. They were there on their honeymoon and they were there right. sitting in their Rovers jerseys. And then they, they said they talked to you afterwards. But what happened was Oil Berkovic of Celtic went over and clapped them because he thought that they were there to see him because he played for Celtic. <laughs> but no, they're actually on their honeymoon in Malta to see you. Dude. Yeah, yeah. But what you, it, 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 it was, again, um, my... my um, so basically, so for, for me, it was um, it was kind of strange because obviously you guys have this exact spitting image to everything that would have Celtic, right? The shirts were technically the same. So both sponsored by Ombro, both at the same time, same things. Obviously, the Woody's Woody's DIY was the only thing different from from when they might have had a different sponsor, um, but uh, but yeah, I actually still have all the, I still have all this stuff at home. Um, I still have my uh, tracksuit from uh, the, the the final um, and, and and the Rovers top as well, plus the one I played in the league with a big number ten. Long the only problem is like all long sleeves and like ten size ten size. I was like, how's this? How that was playing? And this is so much bigger than me, <laughs> but it's just like. Um, the, the um, I guess the, uh, the the tops that we used to wear were always a little bit different, but um, yeah. So so it was quite a fond memory for me that that it looked exactly like Celtic. Whereas as a kid, I always used to support Rangers, right? Um, living obviously being brought up in Scotland, um, and also playing in Malta, like Floriano do play in green, and it's the only team I never played for that kind of they wished that I did. Um, so, yeah, so it was the only time I've ever wore green, green, green on the top. So um, it's probably, the, it's, it's another fond memory on me. Cause like, obviously um, they're um, all my other clubs were always either blue or white. So never, 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 never green. And again, it was a long time ago, but how was the nightlife in Dublin? To be honest, I never really quite experienced it too much. Um, I was a bit more um, of a, uh, I was a bit more concentrating on what I was doing as a job, right? Um, so I never really, really fully experienced a full night out um, in Dublin till I then I wasn't playing or I was later on in life when I was a bit more relaxed about what I was doing. As a young, uh, when I wasn't actually, when I was actually in Dublin, I don't think I ever went out. I think I might have gone out one. There was there was a club um, in uh, next to the Plaza Hotel, around the corner. I think I went in there once. And that was it. The rest <laughs> of the time, it was hotel or in the house or everything else. So I was very well behaved, um, and I think I probably went to Temple Bar once during the afternoon. With uh, with with my girlfriend at the time, because obviously I I had a girlfriend at the time in Malta, uh, in um, in Dublin, because she came to live with me in a hotel, which kind of was a bit hard. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I was kind of well behaved. <laughs> and did you end up falling out of favour at Robbers, and why did you end up um, returning home? 
I think it was, I, I'm again, I, I wouldn't say probably again, it's probably did fall out slightly. Um, not sure why it would have been. Um, again, it was just the way it is, I guess. Um, the contract was coming up to an end. Probably, um, I think, uh, yeah, Ian Buckley probably had a couple of different ideas. Um, started playing different players, spent quite a bit of time on the bench uh, towards the last, last couple of games I, was, I wasn't playing. So it was just kind of um, a natural decision that you'd have to make. We were going to, I think we finished in January, right? Um, finished playing in, uh, in January and then the league would have stopped for a couple of months before starting again. Um, and obviously, I was still playing with the national team. I was the contract at Rovers was coming to an end. They were not looking like they were willing to give me another another year or whatever. So um, I did the only thing I thought was was probably good enough for me was was go back finishing off the season in in Malta. Uh, which I did. I went and joined Bikakara and played for the next six months. And then uh, the following summer went out and started playing in the UK with uh, Mansfield Town. Yeah, you had a few spells in England with uh, Mansfield, Chester uh, City and Macclesfield. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Carlton Palmer was in charge um, of that one. He actually had a spell in Dublin himself, funny enough, uh, for yeah, Dublin he, he City. Was... But a uh, former England international. So what was it like working for him there? Uh, he was a clown, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> excuse my language. Um, well, it wasn't. I think um, the first, uh, obviously, the um, the initial coach who signed me, um, and signed me actually for Mansfield Town and obviously Chester was uh, Keith Kill. So, um, ex-former in Wolves and um, mm-hmm. England international as well. Um, so, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of um, a love for Keith. <laughs> not so much for, not so much with for Carlton. Why was Carlton a clown? I don't know. I think I think he he's he's he still wanted to. I think he was still very caught up with being a footballer. I think and not really a coach. So um, I think it was part of that more than anything else. Um, he came in to obviously I was playing at Mansfield at the time. Once Keith got uh, got the sack um, and he came in and he wanted to make some changes. He obviously he thought I was one of those players that had to leave and then I ended up playing the full season for him and he was like oh you've done really well and uh, it's just like just talks a lot of BS let's say that so don't say the words on, on the podcast and um, just really just not somebody that seems very uh, honest and, and um, stands by his word right so so yeah so not didn't have much love for him when he first tried to get rid of me then then he needed me then I played most of the season and then just talked a lot of crap. But yeah, uh, just an, another wonderful p- way of people that can sort of see things differently, right? But as it is, everyone has a, everyone has their own opinion in sport. Not everyone is right. <laughs> so uh, Rovers did finally move into Tala in uh, 2009. And then 2011, we got to the... Yeah. Europa League group stage, which was unthinkable 20 years ago when you were playing with us. And yeah, you okay. were the I group stage yourself that year with the yeah. AEK Larnica. So yeah. what was it like in Cyprus and getting to play at that high level? 
Well, to be honest, like I said, I think I I saw when I I saw you when when you opened up Tal. I think did you guys you play you guys played against um, Real Madrid, right? In the first year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So because uh, I remember that was the first year Ronaldo had signed with with, with Real. It was right? his debut, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it was actually quite nice to see you guys actually manage to finally get your uh, your stadium set up and everything. It only took you quite a while, <laughs> longer yeah. than I expected, but it was nice to see you guys get set up. Um, obviously, playing in the Europa League group stages was uh, a great achievement for me personally. Obviously, being the first Maltese player to ever do it in the country was was always something nice, um, especially since... Um, it's always, it's always, it's always, it's always very, um, it's always such an honor, right? To doing, doing, doing things and, and being the first to do them. Um, so, um, and it was kind of payback for all the, I guess, all, all, all the sacrifices and, and, and the, the, the work I put in over the years, right? Um, I think I was 30, 33 at the time when I, when I managed to do that. So um, it had been a really long kind of, road from from where i was mm-hmm. to getting there right um and finishing out playing with uh, aek lanaka was was a spot of luck as well because it was at the time i was in Malta playing and we had um i think a player a player that came came to valletta uh, was uh, jordi cruyff and uh, he ended up being the technical director at uh, aek lanaka and he asked if i wanted to join him there um, which I, I i jumped at the chance um I was. I still felt I wasn't finished from from my career, um, and obviously going abroad and city, staying in Malta was not something I wanted to do. And uh, I went there and I joined like a huge amount of players who had a wealth of experience. Um, we're talking about ex 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 Dutch players: uh, Kevin Hofland, uh, Tim Le, Tim de Klerk, um, and all these kind of players. Um, plus a lot of uh, very very good uh, Europe, uh, european and uh, south american players um and we had uh, we had such a great first season uh, where we had just come up from relegation and uh, we qualified in the fourth and we and, and we ended up playing uh, get qualifying for europe i think the first game of that was against uh, a team in malta called floriana um which was again nice for me since my 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 last club in malta had had got rid of me for for falling out with supporters, um, but um, yeah, uh, we ended up um, beating Floriana. Then we played the Czech Republic team, beat them, and then we had um, Rosenberg in the last group, last stages before the groups. We we, we drew nil the other way and beat them at home, and then we got into the group stages, which was again uh, I think it was the first Cypriot club to do it as well um, at the time. So yeah. Wasn't bad for for a team that was put together with hardly any any bits of money and and, and just kind of rustled together, um, and we ended up playing against um, I think it was um, Schalke, Maccabi Haifa, and Stal Bucharest, and we just miss, narrowly missed out on the last game, unfortunately, to going through the the knockout stages. But it was uh, again another another very very nice um, experience for us as well. Uh, obviously, you guys have now made that a regular where you guys always qualify for Europe, right? Uh, well, we always qualify, but we've only, I've still only done the one group stage. Just the one? Ah. Yeah, Dundalk have oh. done it twice. Okay. Well, at least, at, least, yeah. at, least, at least the Irish teams are doing it more now, right? You mentioned that you played for, um, for Malta 
while you were at Roberts. I think you got four caps there, but in total, uh, 78, uh, according to Wikipedia anyway, over a 14-year span. Yeah, um, I had 78 with a three-year absence. Yeah, so. but we'll, we'll come to that in a moment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously tough for you guys, I mean, in terms of getting results, but do you have any highlights in terms of wins or maybe games against famous teams and players? Um, so yeah, it was always, it was always, obviously, um, we, we weren't, we were never as big as like, let's say Republic of Ireland or, 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 or a UK or an English, English team. Um, so it was always an our amount of players that play abroad was very small and limited. So it was always a, it was always either we're onto a drubbing, um, a really hefty defeat or it's going to be, we'd really have to play really well to, um, to do well now uh, along the way um, we did <clears throat> there were certain games that we did really well like again we there was there was draws against turkey um when they had the likes of hakan sakur playing and and emirates and all these kind of stuff uh, and tunchai so there was that there was we did i think we, we drew against uh, hungary once we drew against iceland where they where they had good Johnson, so I guess like very big teams. We had played a lot of games where we did well, but obviously lost two very big European teams. Like I think two nil two nil away to um, to Italy. Um, we had many times against Sweden where we took a real big battering. But hey, it was always nice playing against Zlatan. Um, mm-hmm. If, if while I was at Rovers, we played against uh, France, which were the 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 European and the World Cup champions, or at least before they won that. And we had the likes of Henri Zidane, Vieira, Barthez. The I'd list goes on and on. Together, an amazing eleven of of uh, players you've played against. Did yeah, you have to pick one. Who would be what the best out of the best players? Well, you could <sighs> pick one player, let's say, I suppose. Oh, I think one against. player would have to be again, it would be Zidane was a different level, right? Um, the quality, but this it's hard to say because I've played against so many that have been that have their own greatness, right? I remember playing Zatan when he was still very young, and then obviously later on in his, in his life when he was a world class player, right? Um, always good it was like uh, Pirlo when he was uh, with Italy we had we played against the uh, we played against England with Shearer Beckham um, so yeah the, the, there was a, there was a lot of very good players um, so it's kind of like once you um, looking back you think I was very lucky I must admit um, for the amount of players that, um, that I played against coming from such a small country um, which is the size of a pea compared to everything else. <clears throat> so around 2009, you were sporting a bright red mohawk. Yes. And this led to your uh, removal from the squad. So tell us this story. <laughs> um, it wasn't. So again, I think it was. Yeah. So as you said, it was summer. We had just. Was captain of, I was captain of Malta at the time. Um, I was. I had a mohawk as well. And I think for the summer period, I thought I'd, I'd dye it a, a different color. Um, we had recently changed um, the national team coach. Uh, obviously, two Maltese guys that I knew quite well. 
And they were coming in and they were going, listen, Luke, uh, you know, I think I, I didn't have my hair colored yet, but I still had the mohawk and they were like already dropping hints at, you know, you've got to be a bit of an example. You've got to, you can't be looking like this, you know, kids are looking up to you and all this kind of stuff. And I always thought it was a slightly bit strange because obviously I was already heavily tattooed at the time and um, it wasn't in the Maltese culture to be to look the way I did. Um, and I always was always a bit, not nonchalant, but I was always a bit um, uninhibited in how I looked. So I didn't really care what people thought. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Whatever they're saying, it's not going to change what I was going to do. And I think we had the first day of training and I came in with, I think it was bright pink. My hair was bright pink at the time. And uh, we'd gone for training and the uh, the manager's come over and says, listen, Luke, can I have a word with you? I was like, all right, sure, no And he was like, listen, um, what's going on with your hair? He says, oh, it's just a colour. It's no big deal, right? Um, he says, well, look, yeah, you you need tomorrow when you come training, you can't have that colour. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be here. Otherwise, I won't have you here. Um, it's not it's not what we want to be. And I was I'm sorry, cool, no worries. So I went out, I went away, um, trained, went home. Um, when I was actually I went to the hairdresser to actually get rid of the color. Um, and I was like, why, why am I changing something because of somebody doesn't because he doesn't like how it looks? Um, again, it's it felt wrong at the time. It didn't feel quite right for me. Um, especially since I was always quite outspoken as a, as a, as a player and as a character. And I didn't feel it was something that had to do anything with my football, which it never did. Um, and I went in the next day, I did change the color. I just made it like a red instead of, instead of a pink. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I distinctly remember that I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to do or wasn't going to be a, a good day when I walked into the room. So I, I just went in with my bag. Um, I didn't come with my tracksuit for, for training. I just came in with a bag just in case everything was okay. And he was like, listen, Luke, um, we had a word. Uh, he, he pulled me outside. He said, I thought we had, well, I thought we had a word. He says, yeah, I just didn't think um, it was the right thing. I'm sorry. Uh, he says, all right, well, you know what's going to happen. I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. I picked up my bag and left. Um, and I didn't play for Malta for the next three years. But I did play again once they once they fired the coach. <laughs> so um, let's say um, I was vindicated in, in, in my place because while they were getting hammered, I was uh, playing in Cyprus, uh, qualifying for Europe and playing the best football of my life. So... I have got no no regrets. The only, like I said, the only bad thing about that is that instead of seventy eight caps, I would have had over a hundred. But mm. it wouldn't be much of a difference, let's be honest. So, Roras have drawn Herbertians of Malta in the Champions League. Um, what can we expect from them as a team? Do you think? And give us a prediction for the tie. Um, again, it depends how Rovers come. Um, it's going to be warm in Malta, so. Um, they'd have to be ready for for for, for playing in a in in the heat. Um, also, depending on where they play, because they might play on. It might be a case that they play on AstroTurf. So, there are there are a couple of limitations playing here um, that they might have to encounter, which might be different. 
Um, I'm not sure if 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 they will be able to play on grass, but hopefully they will be. Um, a lot of the things again that they'd have to take care of is again the Maltese players are quite skillful on the ball. They'll have quite a few decent foreigners playing for them, but um, if Rovers go about playing the way that they can or the way that they hope they can, then uh, I don't see them struggling too much, um, especially not away. Um, but um, they they can expect a tough match. It's, it won't be easy. Um, listen, I know um, a few years ago, West Ham, came, West, Ham, West Ham came here and struggled to beat um, Bidukara. So it's like every game, right? You have to take it. Yeah, every, everything has its um, its possibilities, but you just have to be careful. Um, if if you don't, if you if you fail to prepare, you will you will you might be in for a bit of a shock. So it's just about them having to um, be professional, come here to with, with their eye with their eyes on doing the job and and, and get that job done. Um, if they take it lightly and think it's going to be an easy an easy game, then they might get a surprise. I would still think um, Shamrock should win, but um, again, it depends on, on, on their attitude and how they're taking it. That's great, Luke. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure, Carl. Yeah, so Prof and Luke Demek, friends in arms, Rangers fans. At least you have something in common with him. He's not too impressed with Celtic, is he? But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a bit on that story. Actually, See that, mentioned. right? Absolute spoofer. He went out once. He went out once to Temple Bar with his girlfriend, did he? Oh. Check those cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Plaza. If only... Ah, absolute liar he is. But uh, no, it was, actually, it was actually... I love these cult heroes. Very, very cool. Indeed. I love these obscure internationals we have. Uh, maybe fans thinking back to his time will have different opinions. The fans I've talked to have said that he was a baller. Well, he has, like he said, I liked his little anecdotes on uh, how can you get banned from your national team for three years for having a mohawk? A yeah. mohawk. <laughs> I think it was. He a, would have had over 130 caps. I think it was specifically because he dyed it red, wasn't it? What's wrong with red? They're white and red, the Maltese flag. I know, it's ridiculous. I think he was told to shave it and he dyed it red, maybe. That's what it was, wasn't it? Was pink originally? Was it I think pink he originally? already had the mohawk though, and then, like he said in the story, he comes in and he dies or whatever. And that was our captain. Yeah, and then he just it just actually you know just make it even brighter. But um, yeah, seventy eight caps, probably the most cap player of interviews. So tell me this: this is something that I've been anticipating with Bazunu. Chocolate is very salty, prof. I'm struggling there. By the way, there was complaints about you eating uh, two weeks ago. Apples. I, I don't remember you eating during the show. I can confirm Gary is eating chocolate right now. Oh, it's delicious. But I don't recall you eating anything during <clears throat> no, the show. No, no, it's been a while. She's probably drinking. Yeah. Um, so what were we talking about? We were talking about, yeah, so... Bazunu. Bazunu. So how many caps should a regular starter in the international team get every year? On average. No, I don't know the answer. But what are you thinking? Like how many international games yeah. would you play many, in, like in the calendar year? Yeah, like in the calendar year. Could you anticipate well, how many caps someone we're could... We're after playing four games in ten days there, so yeah. the calendar is crazy now. I'm saying 20. What do you think? 20? Could you get 20, maybe let's say 16 games? 20 is a lot though, isn't it? Is it, yeah? 
Right, so let's say, give an example, how many, Robbie Keane, for 140 odd, let's I mean, say. if you throw in the World Cup, then yeah, but mm. we're not in World Cups. We're just trying to anticipate uh, how many caps potentially Luke Demet could have had and how many yeah, Bazunu yeah. will have because I, I try, bookies wouldn't take a bet for him to get 100 caps. A lot of factors, like, you've got to, you got to be available and injury free for all yeah. the friendlies. You got to want to play in the friendlies. Your club, you, if, it's, if it's like an Alex Ferguson, Ryan Gig situation where he's always conveniently not fit for friendlies. Mm. Like how many, how many caps to gigs? Yes, yeah, so like fifty or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Um, so that story that I referenced in the Luke the Mech podcast about the couple going over the scene in Malta, mm. that was green blood on Twitter. Brian McKenna. Oh no way. And he texted me the story, and it's as follows. Can I start this off with um, a little bit of bass? Does this end up in a hotel with a fishbowl? Well, full, key, full of keys. It's I don't know if it's a sexy honeymoon because <laughs> it involves going to see Malta play international football. Guess where I'm bringing you, honey. <laughs> so yeah, so he says we got married in 2002. The reception was in the plaza. We had breakfast the next day next to Luke who was being put out there. So when we went on honeymoon to Malta for two weeks uh, while we were there we beat Bowes in the cup semi-final and you remember they had to use a, use a really seedy internet cafe to follow the match online. Go on Terry. That's we're getting there. We're getting to where I wanted to go. That's Terry Palmer. Uh, meanwhile, Malta played Israel and France over that period in European qualifiers. And of course, we got tickets. Just by mentioning that Luke was playing at our club. That's how they got the tickets. We were then interviewed by the Malta Times. Two intrepid Irish fans following Luke the Mech. So we turned So up. they made it <coughs> out as if they were trekking all over the world following Luke the Mech. <laughs> yeah. They just happened to be there in the honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. So we turned up at the Israel game. Played in the bigger national stadium next to where our European game will be <clears throat> two weeks. On entering, we are basically strip searched by Mossad. What is that, the Israeli? It's the Israeli the Secret Service. Yes, yeah, Secret Service. Um, this, this porno has gone in a way different direction than I think it has. Yeah, not your typical porno. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we're searched by uh, Mossad Israel and. They had brought their own machine gun toting security and were very nervous of us in our robber's kit and honeymoon tans. We end up quite the celebrities at the game. Now we're sat in the stand in our hoops kit. When the anthems are done, an Israeli player makes a run to the sideline, waving at us and clapping, sort of saying thank you. (laughs) All the Maltese fans laugh. He figures it out. It's Oil Berkovich of West Ham, once of Celtic. He thinks we're there for him. He's very confused when he gets the finger. <laughs> Was this after John Hartson kicked him in the head? I think it might have been. Israel win, and we chat to Luke at the end. I always regret not getting his jersey. We flew out of the day of the France game. I think they got stuffed. 9 out of 10 because he didn't say tonked at the end. Yeah, uh, tonked, yeah. <clears throat> great stuff from Greenblum that's a hell of a story uh, yeah so you know, great stuff great overall prof really good stuff and like you said good to hear from these cult figures uh, yes so we're moving <clears> on to probably most enjoyable game of the season I fucking love this I 
I really, really enjoyed it. You've been dying to talk about this all I week. I think it's just because it was like the build up, like J- Jaden fully fledged now. It's great. He's whistling the songs in the house and all. So we're on our way out. We're discussing it, talking about who he wants. He loves Watts. Watts is his man. He saw him in the 10 and he nearly blew up in the stand. <coughs> he was delighted. So 2 1 Richmond Park Monday. We talked about the, the lineup. <coughs> The lineup was surprising. They had McCann in the middle with Gary O'Neill. I was surprised. But Gannon, then, Gannon right back. Gannon right back and what annoyance left back. Now, I was thinking to myself initially, like it's going to be one in the middle. And I was thinking retention is going to be a big thing here. We're going to have to hold on to the ball. And, you know, I was just shocked to see Finner on the bench because he, he was suspended for balls. So normally he tends to play Finner every like three games. Maybe. Mm. But what you, I think... But Gannon was excellent. This was, this was a... Concentrated attack from Bradley to to get our fullbacks involved. Like what what I loved about this was the way we started to play. We had two up front. I saw the two up front floating, standing next to Paulie McGrath, and Mark Keaton, and a few of the lads, and we were we were like they're they're playing two up front, and what's dropping in behind them? So I'm thinking to myself, Pats are because exa- we never really change our form or our, our formation. So I'm looking thinking. Pats are expecting us to play how we normally do, with Danny and Jack kind of pulling a little bit slightly wider than they normally would in Gaff going up front on his own. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so it's Watts playing in the 10. Of course, we had no Danny or Jack we know or Danny or Jack, yeah, so they didn't expect it at all. So we had Greener and Gaffney up front, so they're thinking, okay, that's the two centre-halves occupied, and Watts totally free. So their two centre-mids were kind of dropping in to kind of take control of Watts. But that kind of freed up all the area out wide because they just thought initially this is where Rovers are going to play and receive the ball where no one was there. So that space was totally open where Jack and Danny normally would be. And our, our fullbacks were bombing into it and getting loads of joy. Loads of joy. I was have looking you, at it thinking this is brilliant. Have you ever seen us have wit at Richmond Park? Every I time it. I go here, I go expecting it's all going to be done in the middle of the pitch. It's going to be very narrow. Mm. Holy shit. I dude. thought McCann was very good in, in getting the ball out of his feet quickly. Like whenever he got that ball, his 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 uh, main tactic, get it out to the sides. Mm. Get it out straight away. And how many balls were whipped across the six yard box? <sighs> loads, loads. Loads. But I love the way we had a clear and concise tactic and it was totally, totally different to what we normally do. It was so refreshing to see us switch it up and actually work. Like every time McCann got the ball, he was just looking for Gannon, he was looking for Alliance. And it was working. It was working because the two centre halves were too busy with Gaffney and Greener, and they were and their centre mids were coming back in. It gave us loads of space, gave us loads of space for Watts, and then we just worked it in brilliantly. I remember, really, really enjoyed it. I remember the first five minutes of the match, and I was like, I was noticing Watts, and I remember he had a little mazy run towards the box, and, yes. just, I, just, and I just thought, oh, Watts is gonna start. He's today. on it. He's gonna be the star of the show. He's on it. Um, it was really, but, really good, man. I, I mean, as well with Gary O'Neill getting stuck in and. I just think him and McCann complemented each other well in the middle of the park. Couple of chances. What was the uh, the greener flashed across the goal? I thought well, Pico was nearly the star of the show with his outrageous <sighs> flick shot. Honestly, I don't. I think I think Matt Yodell said yeah. it. I said he'd left. It was uploaded there on Twitter. Did you see it? Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Imagine how it went in. I'd oh, walked on. I'd have left. I'd left the game. So football's finished. <laughs> Rovers are done. We've peaked. We've peaked. Unbelievable yeah. stuff, great chances and lovely football. I mean, Greener had a great whipped. He whipped the ball in. It was like Gaffney dropped off and expected a pullback, but Greener put it in to the six-yard box, expecting something to slide in or tap it in. You know, it was a little bit of cross wires, but great stuff. Yeah, I'm other first half notes. Um, which half was it? Like 
I said to you, Lee Grace, the Rolls Royce is back. The second one, half was the tackle he pulled off. Oh yeah, the one where he, he the tackle and he cleared it in the last dish uh, clearance. Uh, obviously, the other end of the pitch, <laughs> legendary lines again. Unreal, he was. Uh, like he's I, got he's got to be a league player of the year contender. Well, he has to be. He's player of the year for always at the minute. Like this this goal on sixty one. I just thought we came out as we we continued. We didn't change anything. We came out. And we said, "Well, this is working." Let's stick to this. It's working. So Grace wins the ball. And I'm looking at him at the centre half area. He's not even at the centre half area. He's in his byline. He's in the goal line. And I see Watts put his hand up. And I'm thinking to myself, don't fucking do it. He pings the ball into Watts. He chips it, I think. A little chip. It was he, a he chip. Chips Ping, no pace on it. So it was a chip. Reversely on our own goal line. We, we seem to be under pressure. And Grace chips this ball to Watts. Who chests it down. First time pass. So, oh, suddenly we're on the break. He and his and as he chests, he turns and the ball is gone and it's out out the Gannon, gaff, fucking, gaff Odinho, the the carry on of this fella. <laughs> did you see what he did? Little flick, holds on to it, pulls it back, squares it again, and then this goal is just absolutely beautiful, beautiful goal. Greener gets it. I think Gannon got a little flick. You could say it's Gannon's assist because Gannon was the last one that touched it, and then Lions buries it with his right foot in off the bar. Unbelievable goal. Goal of the season. Everyone did something brilliant. The pass from, from Grace, brilliant. The torn, the touch and torn from, from Watts, unbelievable. Bit of work from Gannon. Gaffney, absolutely stunning stuff. I was arguing Stop, with somebody about um, team goals. I'm saying that I like the ones where it's like 31 passes and it's patience and you're wearing the team down and you're waiting for someone to break the lines and all that and then but it was normally about what happens at the end like there's one good run or one good pass but this one like you said every single pass meant something it, every it, pass was forward and positive and was like was relevant to the making of the goal there was there was something special about most of that play like that like it was just brilliant I was watching it back and I was like that is unbelievable it's just it's not like Gaffney's positioning and the way he does and move, does things with the ball and the way he moves his feet, it's like he's step ahead all the time. It's yeah. so, it's such a, not a strange thing, but the way he moves himself and, and puts his body about, he's always a step ahead. His 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 ability to hold up the ball is nuts. It's oh, nuts. He's, he's unreal. But like we've seen good team team move goals where like there's a few sideways passes in there, but like I said, this was just a sensational team mm, and let's like Greener Greener was on it think about that Aaron Green nutmegs two players in this game right and scores and he didn't score the best goal of the match no now individually best but as a team goal but like Greener Greener, Greener was on it in this game and here hold on I need to address something as well that's what I wanted to address where, uh, Johnny where, Ward, where is the the narrative coming from that Greener has no pace it seemed to be a Johnny Ward. Uh, Where narrative. has this come from? But Dan agreed with him. Well, he's saying that he's lost his pace. He's lost his pace. It's not a fucking watch. It's not a wallet. I thought. Actually, I, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. I really while don't. While we're on the topic, a lot of people's analysis of this game was very strange. It was all over the place. Some people were saying Pats were the better team. Uh, Dodge on Twitter said that Pats were the overall better team. And he's normally on the ball. He's normally on the ball. Uh, I didn't agree with that. Even the forty-two report, I read it, and I just know it's the first comment was Kevin McGlone and was like, 
this must be written by a Pats fan. Rovers, like, in the report it said both our goals were against the one to play. Like, what game were you watching? No, not at all. And and then you had the the good chance of Billy King where he was put in with a lovely pass and forced in the first half. He blazed it. Mm, not no other real chances of note, but we had a lot of chances, man. The like greener in the first half, we we had a lot of chances, and that like if we're gonna build up to the second goal with Gaffney again, Gaffney gets the ball out on the wall, out, and he does a, a bit of magic out wide, like he just dances around players, and then he decides this is a ping, this is a ping, pings it into greener, right? This is the fellow who has no pace apparently. Maybe, and he's bu- finished. maybe Bucko trained him in this Listen, pink. Greener started the last two Dublin derbies. Obviously, he's still got something in his fucking tank. I don't know where this... I can't believe they said that. I really don't. Um, Greener just decides, I'm going to score a goal. Jack Scott, this fella has been poor every time I've seen him. And the first half, we were talking about it. We were saying, this is the way to get at them. And this is, once again, a tactical masterclass from Bradzer. Bradzer picked out their fullbacks. And decided this is where we're gonna attack them. Well, Jack Scott obviously he's had a few mares. This yeah, season. he's had a few he, mares. He's one to target. I'm not mad about other Breslin either, but you're looking at was the Breslin the first one that he nutmeg was it? Breslin, no, Bre- and Scott was the first one. I'm not sure who was the second one. Scott got megged anyway because he was mm. the fullback. So I'm guessing that's who the first one Greener Greener went for, unless someone was out of position. But if you look at what Brads are taught, Brads are taught to himself. I I need to get at these fullbacks. How can I attack fullbacks in Richmond Park? Put two up front. Made Watts pull the strings and create that space out wide. That's a fucking tactical masterclass and it worked for me all day long. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, we Gannon and Lyons, big credit to them too because they went forward and it was how how exciting was it to see fullbacks getting on and attacking players again and getting joy out of it. Like how says, how much every, does that excite a football fan? It really every gets time me going. I come to Virgin Park, I I just know what game I'm going to see. It mm. goes back to the Crawley uh, era, Fenlon. Uh, even Brazzer in the early years, it's Richmond Park. It's always the same game. I it was it was so refreshing to watch. Really, really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And fans even before I know fans before the game saying that hey, gone to Richmond. This is one of those times where it came out Richmond Park just in great form. Ridiculous. Uh, did you notice the the commentary from the Pat stands as Greener is is doing his nutmegs? He does the first one and some guy goes, fuck off. Oh God, I've got to kill him or there's, something. There's, an, there's a quiet one first. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> you can get it, but, but I'm looking yeah. at it and I'm thinking to myself, I'll be honest, when he got the ball out there, right, I just goes, ah, oh, fuck's sake. It's greener. Like, I was thinking to myself, I was frustrated at the time. I was like, there's no way he's going to bury one from there or something. I was just, I was frustrated at the time. I was thinking to myself, Do you know, we should mention the finish, not just the nutmegs. Ridiculous. So first of all, he no, he he goes at this defender. Boom, you're gone for the herald. See you later. Next one, bag of chips down fucking Luigi's there, and then he just absolutely buries it, top corner. Like this is an outrageous goal. Goal of the season any other day of the week, bar the goal that was previous to it. <laughs> yeah, Great. unbelievable stuff. And then he got jocked. You see him. I saw the picture. I didn't. I didn't notice that at the time. I was like, "Why is his pants being pulled?" I down? tell you what, some flew. <laughs> some apple catchers on them. They're they're yeah. fucking banana catchers. They were. Great point by uh, Harper JJ. He said that that was the first time Roberts played well and at their level for long periods in both halves of a game. Yes, that's very true. I think best performance of the season. Best he said continuous performance. He's he's nail on the head. There he is. He said Pat's weren't blown away. 
but we're really only still in it due to some decent individual performances rather than a team. Yeah. I totally agree with that and that was a point that a couple of Pats fans made as well online is that they were saying that they feel there's a couple of people came out with a bit of credit a couple of their players but the rest are all just playing like um, strangers and there's, 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 uh, there's pressure on Clancy now but like what did they expect like if you put it in perspective and you see how many players they've lost they've lost their gaffer they were in fucking there was uproar at the club at the start of the season like fans have to give a manager a chance like they're talking about sacking them already Fucking madness. Really? Clancy? Yeah, this this word fans online talking about he's not good oh. enough, get him out, should have made subs earlier, blah blah blah, things like that. I remember the start of the season, I I I tipped him for second and then when I saw the President's Cup performance I thought, yeah, these these look like our challengers here. They've where been, did I tip them? They've been nowhere near as good as since that, that night. Yeah, I'm not sure where I tipped him. I'd be interested um, to see what it is. Owen Doyle, I'm I'm delighted someone pointed out his stats that he's only scored against the bottom three until that penal against us. I wonder how many penals it is as well. And of course, inevitably, some Egypt threw a bottle at him before the penal was taken. This is like a regular occurrence now. Stupid, um, carry on. He I was dealt the, with. He was dealt with. I saw the club release a statement and all about how you know. What what was the figure for the fines? It was uh, it was hefty, wasn't it? But it could be five. Could be five figures, like. But it's going to be a lot higher in Europe if that happens. Um. Yeah, like we said, Berkey had a cameo on this one he dragged a shot wide late on probably looking to shush Brian Kerr again <laughs> uh, do you know the vanishing spray was back I did I like it I like it they must have got a shipment in Maybe should have bra- been on sale on Wish Maybe Brazzer reminded him that I uh, should have the old uh, vanishing spray yeah. but then the penalty and prop um, the, never a penalty no well the fourth one the fourth there was one where <laughs> it was a penalty I think it was Cotter uh, fucking drop kicked someone didn't get it for that but this one he just wormed and weaseled his way into the box and I don't know if it was but what would you know what I loved about it I know it's it's hard to take anything or take solace from a penalty being conceded but Lee Grace argued this beyond belief he would not leave the ref alone he was Adam and Adam and Adam and when he finally finally put the ball down to take the penalty Lee Grace was disgusted disgusted it's great to see a defender hating mm conceding penalties I know he didn't do yeah. it cool really really cool um, yeah like there was a couple of rumours swirling around before this game so they were involving Dara Burns and they were involving Danny Danny didn't start the game didn't didn't uh, uh, squat on the bench there was a, a league one manager I think in the stands so you were like is he looking at Burns or is he looking at Danny who didn't play uh, then Dan McDonald came out with the story that apparently robbers are waiting to pounce should Burns not move to the UK which he is expected to do quite soon uh, if he was there to see Burns he would have seen him uh, in Lee Grace's pocket for the whole yeah. game <laughs> popping the head out so maybe he does want to join Rovers because if you can't beat him join him yeah so yeah I was actually um, just on Doyle again <laughs> we, we love to chant uh, what a waste of money mm. Adam because Whatever rumours you've heard of his wage back, it's actually true. He is on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, yeah, a debut for Justin Farage. Um, I'm going to pronounce that differently. I like a different one. You actually, you know what? That sounds quite more professional. Farage. I'm going to say Farage. Ooh. I'm going to say Farage. Uh, Farage sounds cool. Sounds like sounds like a nice meal in, in the north of Africa. 
Casablanca. I, I honestly haven't a clue how to pronounce it. I'll, just, I'll, I'll go by yours one. But, yeah, but there'll be a bit on it there, Gary, if you want to read it. Yeah, so congratulations to SRFC Academy Under-19 player Justin Ferrazage, who came off the bench at Richmond Park to make a senior debut at the age of 17. A creative attacking midfielder Justin joined the club at the age of 14 has excelled through our academy ranks and he weaved his way through to get an absolute boot off someone and he drew a foul. First thing he did. So he's... Uh, I, I got told about this fella about maybe a year ago, a little bit, a little bit less, by one of his, his relatives. Uh, I think he's of Algerian descent so I think he qualifies for Algeria as well mm. but he said watch out for him so he's going to be shit hot so apparently his brother is as well yeah his brother plays for Atletico Madrid which I didn't know um, I think he was on trial at Atletico Madrid in the past week and he scored for him yeah oh okay um, yeah so that penalty was in the 90th minute um, so sickener wasn't it actually in the end it was a bit nervy it was too close to comfort uh, 2-1 like, it felt like a game we could have won 3 0. Isn't the mentality of a team nuts? When they drew, when they get a goal back, 2 0 down to 2 1, the 88 minute, everything changes. Oh, it's a cliche for a reason. Goals change games. Yeah, it's it's nuts, um, isn't it? Just on Justin there, uh, when the players came over to the stand and, and the shed end, or the former shed end, uh, plodding the fans, just Pico grabs Justin and just pushed him over and he got a. Hey, yeah, yeah, hey. yeah. Pico's great for that, uh, isn't he? Yeah, we mentioned Brad's there with the fist bump. It's going to be a weekly thing now. Um, so, yeah, that, that was yeah. Richmond Park. Brilliant. Really, really happy with that. And we left and to Richmond do, Park smiling, bro. And to do it without all those players. Look at who we were missing. Maybe who we were missing. Mandrew, Jack, Finn, uh, the rest, whoever That's else. a massive six points in four days. Nuts, man. Missing those What players. a lead up to Europe. But Rory Gaffney's the close player of the month. Well deserved for June, Prof. And uh, yeah, well deserved for that one. Um, Danny Mandrew, big news, Prof. Dublin Live, big news. The Goss.ie, Charlene, <laughs> has confirmed the breakup with Danny Mandrew. They're gone, they're gone. The celeb couple are gone, Prof. Can we finally say now that this is over? That Instagram stuff every week was cringy. Ugh, it's just life nowadays, man. It's just the way they are. I just ignore it. It's mean it'll be a at fail. the time you're just like, uh, yeah, whatever. Just it's football, yeah. I suppose. It's not, yeah. But uh, she said it herself, didn't she? She's like, probably wasn't the healthiest thing. Like just constantly posting about themselves and relationships. She said she was doing it at this stage because people expected her to do it. Yeah. Fuck off, will you? Oscar Brennan, prof. Very interesting. Weak. Uh, Carl Roman for a wet wipe. Blame Luke Bourne and relegating Shelbourne. Uh, very interesting, yeah. That kind of went viral, didn't it? Kind yeah, it went viral. Luke I is going to address uh, it. Apparently, Luke is addressing it. 250 games for Shelbourne. It's hard to believe, yeah. isn't it? Like we said, we don't listen to Buzz podcast, so I'm just I'm just gone by what I hear. But uh, also, on relationship news, this has become a section now, Gar. Congrats oh. to Pico and Leah on their engagement. Ah, big stuff. Yeah, great stuff from Pico. And he's uh, he's popped the question. So good stuff and congratulations mm. to the what do you call a newly fianced couple? Is that a, two I don't know, not newlyweds. Pretty sure you're just making them worries now, again. Yeah. <laughs> Any other uh LOI podcast you heard? You said you heard the the Cody's Call one, yeah? Mm, I listened to a bit of it. Probably uh, the most angriest podcast <clears throat> I've heard in a long time. They just they ranted about the mid season break for like half an hour. The mid-season break is a tricky one, isn't it? Because I it actually, is a jolly up to get I away. I with them. I think I do to a They call extent. it amateurish. It is, yeah. It kind of is. Like, who else gets a, a, a week away in the sun? Mm. Or, like, 
mid mid break, you know. But then they're also spending half an hour giving out about why the league isn't competitive. And what can we do about it? I feel like if it wasn't Rovers, it would be like, you know, mm. just the team are top because they're great. But because it's Rovers, I've often noticed this in the first division as well. Every time the first division has six clubs involved battling for the top two places. Or, or seven or eight of them involved in the playoffs you yeah. know there's only nine teams it's like <laughs> the first division is great isn't it everyone's involved it's so competitive and I'm like is it competitive or are they all just kind of crap they're all shit and there's eight of them that's what <laughs> it is but then when it happens in the Premier Division when you've got all these clubs that are just up and down and kind of samesy then it's a big crisis apparently where the league is no longer competitive because robbers are running away with it and also, you like when we lost it in Dock. It's like, oh, all those people were idiots who said the title was over, mm. even though they said it themselves. Ah, <laughs> oh, why did you think it was over? It's back. The title race is back on. And then we we beat Bows and Pats. It's like, title's over, isn't it? Why is there an urge to just say the t- the race is over? Yeah, I hate that. In fairness, someone said that to me recently. No unusual carry on and work. Oh, you're out fighting. The Rovers and the Bulls are out fighting. No one at all. The race is over. Halfway through, mate. <laughs> right, so up next, we've Liam Kerrigan, prof. And Liam Kerrigan has signed for Como in Serie B. And guess who's new manager is? We have him in. Exclusive, prof. Got Mark Bertram. So, Mark, you've. Um, you, you were in Ireland, but now you're heading over to, to Italy. Boy, Como. Yeah, you got to fucking work on my tan, you know. But you know. Oh, that were in fucking that were in the school the other day. So, man, we fucking there we go, man. Fucking Italian, fucking right cheese and pickle. Uh, and now, uh, Mark, um, you must have seen an awful lot of players have been moving to Italy from Ireland this summer. I lost count now. And apparently, you're looking at a young player in Dundalk. How would the manager of Dundalk feel about his young players being poached by Italian clubs? Oh, we all give a fuck, do we? We're fucking British, innit? we? We fucking poach and we pilfer. We do the fuck we want. Oh, we. Oh, we. Little bit of Little bit of that. <laughs> Can I hear the Dundalk perspective now, please? <laughs> well, uh, I've been talking... Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been talking to uh, uh, Mark Burcham and uh, I believe uh, we're going to... We're going to sell... Pat Hoban for for some medicine. <laughs> They've got this new Italian medicine and it's supposed to be fantastic and it makes it, it makes you feel absolutely great. It's an anti allergen from football, and I feel <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take forty batches of that and we're gonna give them Pat Hoban, and that'll do. I know he talks about medicine and all his post match interviews. Yeah, yeah. So that's the two lads. Anyway, yeah, uh, fucking typical Brits, what? Just pilfering and pillaging. So yes, prof. Underage results, and uh, we're gonna we we're gonna have to get ourselves a correspondent here, prof. We really are. We don't talk about it enough, and um, yeah. So here we go, prof. We are gonna if I can find the underage results. I'm here. Right. So June twenty fifth, twenty sixth, five one, under nineteen, Shamrock Rovers, hammered Galway. Uh, under seventeen in the cup, five nil, hammered treaty. Under 17s, the women. They beat Carlo Kilkenny 4 2 away, so a serious, serious uh, round of results here. And of course, the under 15s Cup, Shamrock Rovers 8, Cavan Monaghan away 0. So that is a fantastic, fantastic one. 
So, uh, Sunday, 2 of July, prof. The showgrounds, 2pm. This is coming up now. This is our under-19s EA Sports League of Ireland. So, in the showgrounds, Rovers are taking on Sligo. We have the women's under-19s. DLR Waves are home to Shamrock Rovers. And we have Saturday, 2nd of July, under-17s. It's in the cup. No, it's not. It's in League of Ireland. <laughs> it's Rovers at home. It's in the SRFC Academy, Rollstone, UCD. And they have the women's under-17s, the League of Ireland. We have Shamrock Rovers versus Bray. Sunday, 3rd of July, Clash to own Blackrock 3pm is the big one, Prof. Under 15s, EA Sports, League of Ireland, UCD versus Shamrock Rovers. That should be a cracker in the 15s. And of course, the under 14s Cup. They are away to Cove, so a long, long trip down to Cove. And Shane Keegan's marches. I wonder if he'll be there. Sure, he will. <laughs> you mentioned Bray there, it just, it just reminded me. Did you hear that um, during one of the Bray games, the announcer said substitution for Cabin Teary? Oh, I know, yeah. What is going on? Apparently, he was the former announcer for Cabo, so force a habit or whatever. But it's just what is going on at that club? <laughs> it's just blessed. You count your blessings, don't you? That were so well run, like bizarre stuff. Yeah. So that's it for the underage and prof. We're moving on. Yeah. So up next we have uh, the Maltese Dan McDonald prof. It's Gianluca Leah. So we're here with Gianluca Leah, a journalist from Malta. He's going to help us preview Tuesday's Champions League tie. Team Rovers and Hibernians. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I see Hibernians are celebrating their 100th anniversary. So could you give us sort of a brief background on the club and their relationship to the city? Yes, exactly. As you pointed out, um, uh, Hibernians have celebrated their um, 100th anniversary, you know, in style because they have won the title last year. Um, they have dominated the Maltese League, to be fair. They, they were a bit challenged by Floriana, who placed second, but throughout the season from August till May. Um, I think they, they were in the top for just one week during all season. So, you know, that reflects their uh, their dominance of the f- on the field, um, which also highlights how the clubs work. Um, if you take a look at the, the, the team squad, um, they haven't changed a lot in the last five years. And I think that uh, that helped them, you know, um, to continue build year after year. To be honest, they were a bit unlucky in, uh, in recent seasons um, because when they were challenging for the title, um, here the Motes League was cancelled twice in a row due to the COVID pandemic. Um, uh, and uh, ironically, this was the first year, this was the first title that their coach, who is Italian, um, won here in more than five years. But he always he always came close, you know. Um, it was kind of the, the best runner-up here in Malta, but he never could, could win it. Um, but, you know, as a club, um, they're one of the big, biggest clubs here in Malta. They might not have won a lot of uh, titles throughout the, the years. In fact, I think, actually, they have been winning a lot um, at the turn of the century, to be honest with you. Um, they have That is where they really became dominant force. Um, they were back then. They were under uh, a president called Tony Bezina, who died a few uh, few years ago. I think a couple or three years ago, um, and he was really, uh, you know, the one that orchestrated Hibernian successes in recent years. He was very loved by by everyone, to be honest, by the whole Maltese football community, and uh, it it showed it showed as well when Hibernians. On the final day of the season, when they were awarded the trophy, they uh, unveiled a song for him. They did 
choreography for him, you know, so they all owe, owe the, the success to him. Uh, so Tono Bedzinas, you know, is, is a father figure at Hibernians. In terms of the relationship with the supporters, um, they represent a, a small town kind of called Paula. Um, and everyone there, you know, supports Hibernians, you know, it's, it's, it's an identity for them. Uh, in, in a way, Hibernians also represents the south of Malta because there aren't a lot of teams based in the south of Malta and the top flight. Um, if I recall correctly, there are just a couple of them. So Hibernians, you know, it's like a reference point also for that region in this country, even though, you know, Malta is not really that, <laughs> that huge, to be honest. Um, and then in recent years, Hibernians, uh, wanted to, you know to stay at the top of of of, of Maltese football, and I think they are they are on the right track. And what now is missing for them maybe you know um, doing well regularly in Europe because sometimes they don't come really that prepared football wise for these competitions. And actually, it was last year that it was the first time that they really managed to do well and leave uh, leave an impact on. Uh, on European football while they're presenting Malta. I was just looking at their top goal scorer last year and their all-time goal scorer in Europe. I'll probably butcher his name, but uh, Jürgen De Gabriele, but uh, 14 goals. Is he one to watch? And what other players should Roberts consider to be the danger men? Yes, yes. Jürgen De Gabriele, you pronounce it correctly, don't worry. <laughs> um, he doesn't play as a striker. To be fair, Ibanez won the title without a, stri- without a proper striker. Um, you can never plays as a, as a second striker, even with Malta, even though sometimes he's even placed up front as well, but it doesn't really suit him, in my opinion. Um, he's the one to watch. He's very technical. Um, he's very fast. He's very agile. He's not that tall, uh, but physically he's strong as well. Um, he has a brilliant right, uh, right shot. Um, a lot of his goals uh, were killing efforts from outside the area. Um, he's brilliant. And he's proved proved it also not just at domestic level but also in, in European competitions, as you said um, last season and the season before. He was the one that uh, usually scored for Hibernians. Um, so I think he he might be the one um, that you know can be a game changer for for Hibernians, especially in terms you know of numbers of assists or goals. Um, overall. Um, Hibernians have an interesting goalkeeper and he's called Ibrahim Kone. He plays for uh, Guinea. Um, uh, so he's, he's one of their starting goalkeepers. He recently played against Egypt as well. Um, and, you know, I would have said their backline is their, their forte, but heading for this game, they, they will be playing with a new look defensive line given a lot of suspensions they had in the um, last season, following a controversy against Riga, so bas- they play with a three-five-two system. So basically, their victory will be completely new, at least for these two legs against against Shamrock, um, because their captain suspended. Another one is suspended for but for fewer matches, and the other one uh, left this season as a free agent. Um, in fact, today they announced two other players. One of them is a central defender. So. Their backline will be composed of a Brazilian center back who returned to the club. He's now 38 years old, but it was an emergency signing. He might even stay just for the European Games. I'm not sure about it. 
they brought another one from Cape Verde, if I'm not mistaken, who wasn't playing in Malta, even the Brazilian, and another one from the from Denmark. <laughs> so this that will be basically the the backline, at least it should be. Um, uh, so you know, there's a big question mark there about you know team chemistry and how will they fit, how are they physically. Um, so I think then that is where the midfield will, will have to work a lot. Um, they have an interesting player called Dan Stimvella. He's a very hardworking midfielder. Statistics might not be in his favor, but it's because he's not really attacking, but he can uh, play box-to-box midfielder. And I think he's he's a very underrated player here in Malta. And I think he, he can do a living in, in European leagues. Um, their vice captain will return. He's been out because of an ACL, unfortunately, but he should be available not against Chamrock, to be honest with you, but for the foreign games, because he's the other one suspended as well. So, you know, um, but he's a, he's a good player as well. He's called Bjorn Christensen. Um, he's in the Malta national team as well. Um, the, mer- the main four, the way Hibernians play are the wingbacks then. The wingbacks. I would say besides the Gabriele, they have a Spaniard called Tyler um, and another one called uh, Gabri Artiles who ironically uh, extended his contract by two years today as well. Um, they are very good. They are very good. Um, they base a lot of their, their football on the wings to, to the pace of these two, two wing backs and uh, helping helping um, De Gabriel will be another Maltese international, Jay Greg, who with Malta does not really perform even statistically, but but Hibernis, he has a very good record, to be honest. And I think the way Hibernis played fits him really well. He's tall. Um, he's not that physically strong, but he has a good shot. Um, has uh, long strides, which help him, you know, gain uh, track and recover or even, you know, attack the space up front. They even announced tall, so the, the return of another striker who was with them in 2019 today. To be fair with you, it wasn't really impressive the first time he was here. So we are thinking that maybe they needed someone to fill that number nine row, someone who already know the, the Maltese football and someone who, who can adapt quickly to the team, to the environment. Um, and they, they also announced another one, but he might be a backup player. And still was in Malta as well. Um, so far in the preseason, they already played um, a couple of matches for sure. They lost one and they drew another one. Um, so they have already started also the season. But obviously, match fitness will be, for me, a major point in, in, in both games. You mentioned it there a moment ago, that controversial game with, with Riga, which resulted in all these suspensions, the coach and three or four orders. But um, what exactly happened in that tie that, that caused all these suspensions? Hibernians um, had it into the second leg with a 1-0 advantage. And, you know, they were 90 minutes away from making history, from becoming the, the first Maltese club to reach the playoffs. You know, so a lot of what at stake. In addition, um, whoever won that game would have played uh, Lincoln from Gibraltar. So, you know, you, that makes it, you know, 50-50 affair, whoever goes into the group stages. So it was a, a big deal. And uh, what happened there is basically controversial refereeing, um, obviously, there were a lot of decisions which influenced Hibernians, but, you know, uh, to be honest, there were decisions that also influenced Riga in a bad way. So it was so it went both ways. Um, 
and this all started immediately after inside the first minute. Riga were awarded, were awarded a controversial penalty, um, which which it was inexistent against. Uh, Ironically, uh, an Irish referee who we know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in fact, I was curious to see how his season went and whether he bounced back from the performance and whether actually his performance, you know, gained traction in in Ireland, for example, because it was a you know terrible performance, and I'm sure that the referee observers weren't really happy with him because. He actually decided to qualify, or at least he tilted, you know, the 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 game towards towards Riga because a lot of controversial decisions, the 50-50 decisions, yellow cards, red cards. Then what happened also it was that Hibernians were leading, but until one minute to go, Riga equalized and sent the game into extra time with a lucky goal. If I remember correctly, the captain hit the ball with his shoulder and it locked over the goalkeeper. So <laughs> it was, you know, controversy controversies from the referees, but also, you know, a lack of luck for Ibens. Um, I'm sure in the extra time there were a couple of challenges that Ibens weren't pleased about. And if I'm not mistaken, there was there was also a red card in that game, which was created and it triggered all the brawl. Then what happened? Um during the game, there there was already a lot of tension, you know, with the some of the backroom staff and administration, you know, already uh, disputing with with the match officials, with the fourth officials. Apparently, I remember this one, but this this was a rumor, you know, that I heard from from the backroom staff sitting on the bench that even the match officials said something to them, which was very rude, um, you know. So that all led to this massive fight after the game where. One of the players went with his smartphone in front of the referee to show him a couple of actions. And it was like, watch them, ref, watch them, ref. It was <laughs> incredible. No. And uh, I think uh, it, it also continued in the dressing room. In fact, a lot of players at first, because there was an appeal, they got five games, four games. So it wasn't just, you know, confronting him, just being aggressive with him, being rude with him. As soon as the game finished, until the dressing room, there were even high bonus supporters waiting for the referee to come out after the game. So it was that that big. So, <laughs> um, you know, so then uh, afterwards, there were the suspension issued for three different players and for the team manager and the general secretary as well. Um, but then there were there were appeals and some of them were reduced. But it, it was a very controversial game which led to a massive brawl because obviously then they fought with Riga players and everything. I think some Riga players might have got something as well to be honest but we, we covered it mostly from you know Hibernian's point of view so I'm not really sure about it but I think something happened as well and you know to make it to add insult to injury then Riga got out with the Gibraltar side so at <laughs> least <laughs> you know Hibernian's got their revenge from that but you know having with Hibernian's Having played against Lincoln, they might have had their chances too, unfortunately. But they go again this year, they hope. Uh, I read your article in uh, the Times of Malta quoting the, the Hibernian's manager saying that, that Shamrock Rovers will be favourites for this tie. Uh, so that's that's his reaction. But what, what reaction have you gauged from media and fans about uh, drawing Rovers? Was it was a similar dose in that we were happy to avoid Poznan? But you also reckon that Rovers would be favourites to go through in this tie? I think Hibernians or any Maltese club will always start as underdogs unless they play teams from Andorra or somewhere, you know. 
um, or Gibraltar. Um, even though against Gibraltar we don't have really a positive record, so I, I wouldn't consider that as a, as a favorable draw or at least an easy draw. Um, I think the coach was being diplomatic and he's always like that uh, throughout the season. Um, he tries not to put a lot of pressure on, on, on the players as well. So, And I think he's at the same time he's right as well because Shamrock, I think, starts as favourites. Um, first of all, they, they are in the midst of their season. So football-wise, physical preparation, match fitness, you know, they are not my set of high brains, but in, in very well placed. And uh, high brains with these suspensions, with these new signings, it won't be easy for them, you know, to, to create a team chemistry as soon as possible. Um, high brains have their chances, in my opinion. And I think if they, you know, um, leave it wide open until the second leg when, when they, they play in Malta, um, I think that will help them. The first leg is very important because I'm sure that Shamrock will get a lot of support there. And as you said, this is a draw that obviously they see as, as a potential qualification to second round. So Hibernians might be targeting to qualify, but I think their objective is more to do well and see where the good performance take them, you know, because at the same time, they know that if they drop into the conference league, they they have in brackets an easier task maybe against an Estonian side um, who, although they are also in the midst of their season, they were heavily eliminated from the Champions League. They got six against an Icelandic team and then they just won 1-0 against the team from Andorra. So, you know, that may be a bit in the back of their minds, but all in all, as you said, also um, avoiding Poznan was, was a first. Um, at least against Shamrock, they have more chances to qualify on paper, on paper, because I know that Shamrock I do not play, you know, kind of football that maybe Ireland is is a tribute to Ireland, you know, the truth from football and everything. Shamrock are trying to do, you know, different things. Um, I'm sure Hibans are studying them. So actually it might it might turn out as a very competitive game. Um Physically, physically also, it might be interesting to see how high Benz cope with, with all those challenges that they've been getting. So we'll see about it. But all in all, we think Shamrock starts favors, but high Benz have, have their chances. Yeah, it'd be interesting if their coaching staff would watch our game against AC Milan two years ago because we actually went toe-to-toe and we played it out from the back. We tried to play football. So they it goes against the stereotype of old, I suppose. But um, in, in this is the sixth meeting between Irish and Maltese clubs, and Irish clubs have won all but one. So has the has the infamous two thousand two game between Shelburne and Hibernians come up in the media at any stage? Yeah, that was the first thing we thought because that was the first time Hibernians qualified um, from the champ into the next round of the Champions League, and uh, so obviously you know those are. Nice memories for for Maltese football in general, especially in, in those years where it was maybe much more difficult to qualify, given the structure of the competition, given the teams that qualified, uh, given also the level. You know, in twenty years there was some improvement here in Malta, so the Maltese teams are being more competitive in Europe. Um, they also played against Dundalk, if I'm not mistaken, in the seventies. Um, Dundalk had won. Yeah, um, uh, Waterford as well. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, I bet the, the usually Maltese teams against Irish teams, 
do not do badly. I remember at one time Vallette against St. Patrick's also, it was very close, it was a close affair. Um, it was actually, I think, an nil that sent Vallette out, something like that. So it, it's always, you know, close. And I think the Maltese teams have closed the gap with a lot of countries. Um, what is a disadvantage for Maltese clubs is that they start the season in, in August, you know, so... <laughs> Some of the clubs, some of the countries who are in these early rounds, they, they have already started their seasons, which puts them two steps ahead of the Maltese clubs. Um, but obviously the Sherburne one is, uh, you know, it might be also motivation for for the club to, to repeat that success. Um, so we hope that at least if Hagbens do not manage to qualify, they, they put up, you know, credible performance for, for them with this game. Yeah, the Robbers physio actually played in that tie in 2002. I interviewed okay. him about it the other day, so he remembers it well. It was a big shock. Um, what, you, you have to ask him what, what his, his, his worst opponent in that game was. Hibernus had at uh, all a, a, a physical striker up there. He's called Chukunier, and I think he might have gave him a, a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was researching him. Yeah, inter- interesting guy. Like he was a very promising uh, Nigerian international striker, forced exactly. to retire early at the age of twenty-seven. And I know it's now his daughter is a celebrity singer. So uh, it's quite. Yeah, he won a- the Junior Song Festival, I think twice. She won it. I don't know. No, she won it once. Yes, but she's you know like a superstar here. So <laughs> we, now we get to see him at at festivals and European <laughs> Eurovision Song Contest. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the level of interest in domestic football in Malta? I suppose compared to interest in foreign clubs, where it'd be England, the continent, and also compared to other sports in Malta, what's the level of interest there? Well, football is the number one sport here in Malta. Um, it's highly followed. And then the second and third ones are water polo, I would say, who come maybe close to, to football. But that's because the national team has been qualifying for the for the European Championships, I think now three times in a row or four times in a row. So that's a massive achievement for, for multi-sport in general. In terms of interest, uh, I believe that there is a lot of interest in the multi-sport game, but it not, it's not reflected in uh, the stands. Mm, attendance is a bit is a bit poor. And uh, there are a lot of factors, to be fair. Um, maybe because here there is a lot of support on English and Italian teams. You know, in when there's Maltese football on Saturday, there's the English Premier League on Sunday, there's the Italian Serie A. So people might prefer to stay at home to watch those games and just then check out highlights of the Maltese games. Um, and usually uh, twice a weekend, um, the national television here shows the best two games. So, you know, that whoever wants to watch the best Maltese game they they might easily catch it from home, you know. So that makes it easier for them to stay at home and uh, and and watch the game, especially during during winter. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of games are played, you know, with with few people in the stands, and that's a pity because I believe that the level has has improved in recent years, and I know that there is interest, you know, because there is still that rivalry between a lot of towns and cities, so which you know always makes it interest. The multi-supporters have their own style of supporting their teams, their own chance. And, you know, whenever there's a big derby or a big game, 
of the table clash and there is you know more than normal attendance uh, we always appreciate that because it makes it for a more for a more interesting encounter to be honest with you sometimes the level of the games here is not you know attractive aesthetically at least you know so that might be also a reason for people not coming there um the stadium might not help is a bit old now it needs to be modernized modernized and there are projects to do it so that might help um the price might be an issue as well to be honest with you it's you know it's not that the Maltese games cost a lot but value for one they might not see it worth it as well so there are a lot of, of issues but when then when you go on social media or you are outside and speaking with people they are always discussing what happened during the weekend etc etc so that tells you that people follow but not at the stadium i think there's a lot of work to do you know to try and start bringing back more people into the stadium um there is now there is a lot more interest in the national team which has been doing well so whenever there is an important game or competitive games not friendlies um there's a good crowd coming to to watch the team so maybe if we continue you know that process of engaging with more supporters at national team level that that you know that enthusiasm might we might help it to to generate it at club level as well but it's not easy and i think it it won't happen anytime soon unfortunately well now this second leg will be played at the centenary stadium um is there a sort of is there a hardcore fan base who are sort of loud and colorful who would fill up that ground for the second leg and uh let them make themselves heard i suppose the centenary stadium if i'm not mistaken has a capacity of 500 people more or less or 600 something like that um I believe have, have a good fan base, have a good fan base. But that's the pity because whenever they don't fill up the stadium, you know that they have the fan base, but why don't they come unless they are winning? So it, it's typically here in Malta when the teams are winning and they're doing well, you know, there's a, their fan base start to fill up the stands. Um, I think for this game, there might be a good crowd. I think most probably this centenary will be divided into two sections, one section for hips and maybe one section for the Shamrock fans. Oh, I'm sure they will be traveling over to Malta. So, uh, but I think there will be a good, decent support from from Hibernian. It's you know, around 200 people or 300 people. That's was the average number of all the Maltese clubs. Then it depends also on on how big is the town because we have clubs in the Premier League who are who represent you know just a few, a, few, a couple of thousand maybe people. So you don't you cannot expect that. A lot of persons come and watch their team play, unless it's a final or a, a very massive important game during the season. But I think for this for this game there will be a good crowd, you know, especially given that uh, in the last two years uh, football has been played here behind closed doors, you know. So at least people finally can come and watch a European game as well and support their team life and not behind the screens. I think most Robbers fans are staying in St. Julian's. Um, what sort of place can they expect when they head over to Malta in terms of uh, attractions and, and aside from the blistering heat, I suppose? I mean, it all depends um, what they like. Obviously, now, with, given these weather conditions, there are a lot of beaches to go, especially near St. Julian's as well. 
you know, there are places like Slim and Valletta, which is the capital city, who provide these kind of places. Um, obviously, historically, Malta is very rich, so there are a lot of sites to visit from north to south. Um, I'm sure that obviously the Irish will love the pubs, so <laughs> there are plenty of them in St. Julian's and, and in Slim. It's an area which which usually attracts a lot of um, people from England, Scotland, Ireland. Whenever these countries play, come come here, whenever their clubs come here, they are always there. We have actually a lot of, a couple of bars that are called actually the Irish pub, the Dubliner, you know, so we have that kind of... Every country I've been to, uh, there's a yeah, pub called the Dubliner. And that's you, where you we know, go yeah. to, yeah. <laughs> now thinking about it here, St. Patrick's, for example, is a big D in Malta. I mean, if you go on Google, whoever is now w- watching this podcast, now the Irish have to go on Google, check St. Patrick's, Malta, <laughs> and they will see <laughs> the streets filled up by all the people there wearing the, the green hat. So, you know, uh, one day a year, people think about Ireland, you know, <laughs> with a good Guinness in their hands. <laughs> I suppose just to finish on, on the football itself, uh, Sandera, the, the Italian coach, what do you think his approach will be for the first leg, considering all these suspensions? And you, you've, you've touched on his formation and style earlier, but will he approach it any different in the first leg? Will he try and keep the tie alive to bring it back to Malta? Yes, I'm sure about it. I mean, he will stick to his 3-5-2 system, which most probably will become a 5-3-2 uh, a lot because I think Shamrock will will uh, dictate proceedings, I feel, and Hibernians will uh, make use of their counter-attacks, given also the pace that they have with their wing-backs. The first objective, is, as you underlined, is keeping the tie alive ahead of the second leg, where I'm I'm sure that Hibernians will still stick to a defensive approach. Um, I think Sandera won't commit a lot about trying to, to dominate the game against a team who are physically more prepared. They have played more... They have more playing minutes in the in their legs right now, and uh, Sandera is known to be a, also a conservative coach. His teams also when when they play defensively, they are they are very solid. But that's the number one question that now we have about Hibernians, given that they have a new backline and a very short period of time to train together before a very important game. So it will be interesting to see whether whether maybe he puts someone from the midfield who's already used to the system into the backline to help them with the movements. That might be a move that, that Sandera might make. And he, have, he has a couple of players that can play that role. Um, I'm thinking about a player called Sergio Rafael, um, who plays as a defensive midfielder, but he might be playing as a centre-back. And uh, think and now you, may, and you asked me about another key player, and the key player is Ali Diakite. He plays centrally. He came in January and he was brilliant. He's tall, he's strong. Uh, intercepts a lot of balls. I think he, he would fit the old Irish football, you know. <laughs> um, but I think that might be an, that might be an idea that Sandera will will take on board. You know, trying to put a midfielder who was already used to the system into the backline because playing with new three new centre backs again in European competition, I think that will be far risky. He might do it, but I to be fair, I'm not sure about it. And you said that publicly Sandera plays plays down his chances, but privately, will he be looking at you? You touched on earlier those fine margins with uh, Riga. You could have been playing the team from Gibraltar, Lincoln Redim. They went on to get to the group stages. 
ourselves, we came very close against Florida. Well, they, they won comfortably in the end, 5-2 in aggregate, but we felt very close to the group stages. So privately, would the players and, and staff at Hibernians be thinking, you get you win this tie and then you get a bit of luck and then you have a shot at group stages then, very lucrative group stages, which could be huge for a club uh, in Malta. Yes, I mean, it's always in the back of their minds. Obviously, they know that if they qualify against Shamrock, they most probably will get Ludo Goras from, from Bulgaria. So I think that that will be the end of their Champions League tour, to be honest, um, because we have to be realistic at the same time. But, you know, given the new format of the European competitions, if they at least qualify one round from the Champions League, they are ensured of a place in the playoffs of the Conference League. So that's that would be massive. That would be already, already uh, a record for Maltese football. It would be a first. Um, but also, if they get out from this round, then they will go into the Conference League against Lavadia Talent. So that is where then they play, they will play their chances. I think this these two games, uh, no matter the, the result, they will serve as preparation for the one or the one following as they try to pe- to peak as much as possible during the European competitions without never reaching their full potential. I feel, especially you know, fitness level and physically. Um, but yes, but I think you know they still want you know to bounce back from what happened you know against Liga as 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 you as you said because ending your European campaign in that way with you know with a better taste I think they will now try to to make up for it knowing that to reach that level again they have to go through a lot of hurdles um, but it it's also an experience that helped them because. You know, they defy the odds by beating Riga away in Latvia, producing a good game here in Malta. So they know where there is level at. And it's another year of European football. Last year, they played in, in Champions League, not even as Maltese champions, but they replaced Hamburg Spartans, whose license was denied. So actually, they were there by default. So having done well already last season, that might help them to do well this season again. So. So yes, I'm sure that is at the back of their mind to do history. And now, the main objective for Maltese clubs is to reach that playoff stage at any competition. That that will be a first, because now we have reached the third round on a number of times. You no, know, someone wants to reach that stage, and then the, the, it depends on the on the draw. What whoever you get, you might get, and the playoffs. Then you might get you know a Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> so or you might get a Lincoln Redim. So then you never know. But at least you play their you play your chances there. At the same time, you continue to help more than the rankings as well. And finally, I'll put you on the spot. Give us a prediction for this tie. Ooh, that's always the toughest question. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I feel that Shamrock will start as favourite, so I think they might make it through, but it will be very close. Maybe even with extra time here in Malta. Um, but... Unfortunately, I don't see Hibernians qualified due to a lot of reasons. And I see Shamrock make it through, you know, but I still that Hibernians can be competitive here and especially in the second leg if they leave the tie open. So I, I'll go for Shamrock Rovers. Um, uh, sorry for the Hibernians fans, but, I, but that's my opinion. I have to be arrested at the same time. <laughs> Gianluca, thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure meeting you. Uh, very insightful. Thanks so much. Pleasure has been mine and I hope that you will have a safe flight here tomorrow and they enjoy your stay as well. Yeah, so uh, great stuff from Gianluca and uh, very knowledgeable 
and you could tell he, <clears throat> he loves the limelight. Yeah, like I said, he was on LOS Andrew as well. He got in trouble for calling us British oh God. on that show. But I didn't, the, I didn't the, hear that one. They were, they were taking the mickey out of that one, but uh, he obviously learned his lesson. Um, and like I said, he was preempting all my questions. Like he went straight into formation and yeah. style and tactics and all. I love that he was. I love the breakdown he gave of yeah. the player. I love hearing that. I want I want detailed breakdowns of players, what they're going to be like, how he thinks they're going to play. I love all that. Yeah, so I think we we know a lot more about Hibs now than we did. And we'll have our Maltese phrase book out next week. Don't you worry. We'll, have we'll keep you well, well informed with the local lingo and how to order a drink and all sorts of things. So we have a new SRFC Ultras t-shirt for those travelling to Malta. You can only get it if you're in Malta, prof. 20 quid, new high quality t-shirts available from SRFC Ultras with the idea of them all being worn together in the stadium on match day as clubs across Germany and Europe do to show unity and togetherness for European away games. We are trying to coordinate something for everybody to wear in Malta that isn't a shite 2015 away jersey. Numbers and sizes are extremely limited so please get back with your name and sizes. It's like a take on the old 94 the old 94 shorts I think in Italian 90 possibly but yeah no it's cool I like when everybody's wearing the same colour in, in the in the stand it looks the biz so we'd all be wearing white though then isn't it like, yeah I don't think it's going to be a good idea for after the game now because those t-shirts aren't going to be white <laughs> let's be honest but yeah so that's uh, the ultra so get on to at South Stand on um, the South Stand on Instagram or any ultra any your local neighbourhood ultra Prof, hit us with the stats. There's a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stato! Hiya, Prof. Harry Moore here. I was watching the game this morning and said derby games are always narrow matches, and I have a stat or two here for you. Since 2017, Rovers and Bowes have played 19 league games with only two draws. Out of the 17 wins, only 3 wins have been by more than 1 goal. Rovers have won and Bowes 2 wins by more than 1 goal. Thanks very much. So there is Harry with the stats. A belter. He knocks it out of the park. So anyway, we are going to move on. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. But that, that, fantastic stats by Harry. But I mean, this... Prof, you've been I, replaced me. This is my stat. I, I know he's going to replace me eventually. Harry with the stats. Here, hang on now. I've got my own Come stats. on, just get them fucking over, will you? So he's, he, Harry had had some bold stats there. So my one was that was Brazzers' twelfth win versus Keith Long's eleven. So he's finally overtaken him in the head to head. We talked and about this recently. It's crazy, isn't it? Five years it took him to overtake. Well, he started well, Brazzer. Started with three wins in the first season. So in twenty seventeen, we did beat them three times. But one of them was the League Cup win. So I, I hurled this stat of Brazzer in the interview. Hurled? Yeah. That's the first time we've beaten Bowes three times in one league season since 1989-90. Ah, stop, will you? And we were, funny enough, we were playing at Daily Mount Park that season. And one of those games was the, the hat-trick that I referred to in last week's show, Peter Mumby. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, the late pounding Russian Park meant that uh, Big Al didn't keep the clean sheet there. And he's not too far away off the league record for clean sheets. Go on. Um, he's on 92. This is Mr. Alan O'Neill. Uh, well, it involves Al and Baz. Go on. So, Alan Manis has 92 league clean sheets. And 
so he's he's past Alan O'Neill's eighty-seven there, and Baz has ninety-seven. So he's five off the all-time league record. He's got to get that. So he's probably going to get the league record, but he probably won't get the overall record because he's on a hundred and nine. Baz is on 119 and Alan is on 120. So he's 11 off the old time. All competitions. But yeah, the league one's very doable. Um, very doable. Sean Hoare is now our only ever present. 21 starts and one sub-appearance in the league. And we finally we finally broken the record, Ger Hatada. 45 games you've gone. Tonkless. Tonkless. <laughs> Tonkless. The record was 44, so that's 45 games in a row without scoring four goals. The previous was 44 between June 2014 and June 2015. We are Tonkless, Prof. So, it's the longest run since 20, 2008 to 2009. We actually never scored four goals at all in 2008. And then for most of the start of Michael Neal's reign. So that was a... Extremely long run, so surely we won't break that. Um, a couple of European stats. Um, obviously Finner is way out in front for most appearances, but uh, Manus is on sixteen, and Pigo is on eighteen, and that puts Pigo joint third now. So one more, and he'd be up with Johnny Fulham, and then another one more, and then he was second. Um, Finner is the only player to start all 18 of our European games since 2017 I can't say all of them under Brasder because Brasder's first game was in Finland 2016 he hadn't signed Finner or Pico then so he's the only ever present for a certain amount of time since a certain since 2017 yeah he started uh, all 18 of those games Pico was also involved in all 18 but he was a sub in one of them Mm. home to AIK going further back with Finner to his first spell he's only missed one out of a possible 32 European matches at Rovers and that was a home to Pelk didn't play in that one and I met you might have heard me mention in the interview there with Gianduca uh in, in, in all the media outlets I noticed because um, I was looking up timesofmalta.com RTE and all they kept quoting the same thing Hibernians have met Irish clubs twice before okay. Dundalk 1979 Jesus. and Shelburne 2002 when they won um, I don't know if you know the Shelburne story like I said I interviewed Tony McCarty this week in the programme or rather Tuesday I interviewed him he played in that game. So they got two all dry of Malt in the first leg. And then the second leg, they had a load of chances. Trevor Malloy apparently missed loads of chances. And then Hibbs hit them with a sucker punch in the 91st minute oh. and knocked them out. So Stinger. everywhere I kept reading, they've only played uh, Dundalk 79, Shelburne 2002. But that's not true. They played Waterford in 1980. Why do people keep forgetting about Waterford? No, because it's not on the Wikipedia page. Oh. This is a classic example of how you cannot trust Wikipedia. And look at all these reputable, reputable news sources. And they didn't even delve deep. They're just checking Wikipedia. There are no profs. There's there certainly no here. prof. Um, I have a couple of nuggets in my article as well in the programme. 
Um, Mick McCarthy. Didn't know where you were going with that, where you were saying you had nuggets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have food on the mind because you were eating chocolate all the time there. Uh, Mick McCarthy put me onto this one actually. This was this was a fun one to to investigate because he was so obscure and there's not much results on the internet. A player has actually played for Rovers and Hibernians of Malta, and it's not Luke Demek. Give me the timeline. Give me some sort of. Give me a clue. Uh, he barely played for us at all, to be honest. Go on. Early eighties. He was sixteen years old. He's probably only on the fringes of the, the B team or whatever. Brian Crawley. And he actually went over and played for Brian. So, he, so he's played for us. How would you unearth that one? Like I said, Mick put me on to him. Played for us, then he went to England, played a bit of amateur football there. Somehow ended up in Estonia with Floriana in the early 90s. He scored two goals against Borussia Dortmund. This fella calls... Yeah. Now, they lost 7-2. But, <laughs> but he scored two goals. Still... And he was a top scorer when they won the league title for the first time in a long time. So he's actually considered a legend over there. Because I noticed on social media, they had ex-players send in messages during COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. they called him like a a legend or a favourite or whatever. So so he's with them and then he had two years at Hibs. So there you go. Players pay for his balls. And that's not where the Maltese links end, Gary. Come on, bro. Neil Ferrugia. McDowell has an interview with him. Go on. And I know he's qualifies. Yeah, you? you've probably heard everyone's probably heard that he qualifies, but he went into a bit more detail with McDowell. <clears throat> uh it's his granddad who was Maltese and his grandparents were Maltese. So it goes goes back further. So he, proper Maltese like initially, well, yeah. Yeah, but it's a weird one. His granddad is Maltese without ever actually living there. I think he said he was from, from Egypt or something, but yeah, but you're going back many, many years. And he says he still has cousins in Malta. He's been over a few times. But all these Ferrugias, like there's a, there's a Matthew Ferrugia in the squad now. Yeah, so It's that, quite yeah. a common name. And I asked him, I'm like, are you related to any of these Ferrugias? And he was like, no, it's just <laughs> a common name. And uh, finally, or maybe second finally, it's confirmed that... <sighs> What? What? What's compared? We're wearing the black jersey. <laughs> in, <laughs> in the away match. Cancel the flights. God. Oh god. Size. <laughs> in the heat as well. In forty degrees. <laughs> so I asked Polly McGrath. I said, "If we don't win this match, who is going to get the blame, or who or what? Would it be your away curse?" Or will it be the black jersey? I can't believe we're going to wear that. What colour is their cape? It's not red and white or something. Either way. Yeah. And then this comes from Ryan McDyer. No, this comes from Ryan McDyer now, not me. He says, I don't want to tempt fate, but Robbers have never won an away game in the Champions League European Cup. He says, our best away results are nil-nil draws against Linfield, Ammonia and Flora. Again, direct your anger to at Ryan McDyer. That's at Ryan McDyer on Twitter. That was his stat, and thank you. Oh, good. A nice one. Nice positive end there, Puff. Now, start 11s and predictions. So we've Harps and Hibs, Prof. Harps and Hibs. 
Um, I'm going to go the same team again for Herbs that we played against. I just I want to see that again. I want to see that to work again. Plus, we've a bit of resting to do. Hold on. I don't even play this team again, actually. I've got Harps on. I forgot about the, I forgot about the Hibs game on Tuesday. He's not going to play the same team. Oh, um, right. We're going to go... Well, he's going to... Let's take a chance here. We're going to... I'm, we're going all, to... I'm always interested in his fullbacks because I know it's when he has two games in four days. Whoever he starts as his fullbacks, you can see he has an eye to the big game. So this is where trust comes in. So it, right? I think, say, for example, maybe he won't start Lions in Baddy Buffet and then you're like, okay, Lions is his man for Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, believe, I, got, I got that. So what I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Gannon, Pico, no, said, no, I, no, 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 I'm not changing the back three. I'm thinking the ring's end, boys. Yeah. Left and right. Yes, yes, I'm with you. We're going to start at the Bay Tree, boys, because they can, they, can, they can take it on the chain. They're grand. Cabo on the left, Gannon on the right. Centre mid, I'll go. Who are we gonna, who's going to start against Hibs? That's the thing. Ronald Finn's going to start. I think Finn and Lyons. Finn is going to start, right? So I'm going to go McCann in the middle again. I think he played well. And I think... A little bit of momentum might suit him. Similar to Hor. Hor needed a couple of games to get going. Gary O'Neill. Can Gary O'Neill play two games in a couple of days like that? Who's the alternative to play in the middle? Kind of struggling in the middle of the minute. I think oh. he said Tell is back in training, so he could be involved. Right, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to play Watson the 10 again. I'm going to play the same formation, but I'm going to put Green up front with Oidemo. Ooh. Now that is that's that's a bit of pace. They get on well. They they click off the pitch. The has only started two matches this year. I know it's mental starting them up in Harps, but we played so well. If we can create a couple of chances the way we did with balls getting whipped in, him sticking a little toe in on it, I I want to play the same way again. I'm gonna go with the same formation, but a few little changes. Oidemo and Green starting up front, and hopefully we'll go two nil win Oidemo to get his first league off. Right, I think he's going to make a few changes to freshen things up. So yeah, I think Cabo comes in. I think he's going to start Berkey. I think he might. He's going to rest one or two, possibly like Watts, Gaffney, maybe. So I don't even know what my team is for this match. I just think it's it's all with an eye on Tuesday, <laughs> even though we do need the points here. Uh, we always do. Um. So yeah, prediction. We won 3 0 up here last time, didn't we? Yep. Um, the Lions brace. Um, I'll, I'll say, I'll say two 0 for this one. So we're going to remain tankless. Tankless. Only two goals. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go two 0 as well. Oidmo and we'll go Greener. We'll go Oidmo Greener. Greener to keep up the good form. But Prof, we won't be going to this one unfortunately due to logistical issues. We have no bus. For Tifties, neither do the Larrys, neither do the Gary Twig, neither. Hoops at Sea is running. Hoops at Sea, yeah, they're doing the wool though. They're they're well well in there. But either way, it's an issue that we're trying to resolve, and we'll get it done eventually. But I'd rather not talk about it. A lot it. of carpooling going on. Yeah. Um, Jack, will he be back for Europe? I'm guessing that is what the the big big push is. Get him back for Europe. That's what it is. He's the he's the clincher. He's that type of player. I'd say him and Tony McCarthy are best friends right now. I'd say they're. I'm gonna call it. Jack. They have a plan and action to do. Jack to be man the match against Hibbs. Calling it. I'm calling it. He's he's always sensational in Europe. Oh, isn't stop. Uh, Four thousand tickets over Hibbs a couple of days ago. Woohoo! Still stands though. 
Loving it. What do you What do you predicting for intent for this? I, I I'm gonna say four seven. Give it to seven. Champions League, big build up on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, big fucking build up. Champions League football on your doorstep. I think it should be seven, but I'm feeling it might just fall short. I don't know why. I don't know. But listen, Champions League football on your doorstep. Either way, big seven thousand bumper crowd, nice payday. Come on. Rats from the flats flag, prof. Very cool. Very very cool. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't been done. Not just the flag though, but uh, Woody showed me a painting that was on it. Did you see this? No. Woody had a painting specifically made of that exact picture of Rats in the Flats. And he had it done as a, a raffle prize for the Glen Malore Awards. Oh, and it was class. Deadly. Oh, I saw that actually. I saw yeah. that. Um, yeah, clear the head, prof. It's coming up. And it's the skip. It's Ronan Finn. And once again, another fantastic episode will be coming out soon enough. And it's Garth's. Running the show, just back from his holidays. And he was over there bouncing off the Brits. He was playing five-a-side and he was absolutely milling them over. He said he was having great crack. So, um, yes, that's Garrett's. And, um, yeah, so another clear the head. So looking forward to that, Prof. But the big, big social event, football event of the year, Prof, is the Pride Rings in. Slash Tifties, five-a-side. July 3rd, you'd get your teams in. We have nearly three-quarter of the teams full already. You need to get your team in and do not miss it. Brad's has a team. Robbo has a team. The Rovers at Legends have a team. You want to play against your idols, this is where you go. Ultras are all in. We have I don't know Larry's team as of yet. I'm sure they're putting in Glen Malore in, Pride of Rings and they're in. Chemistry hoops, loads. It's going to be the best day ever. You're going to have a bus bringing you from the Postal. So it's 10 o'clock Reg in the Postal in Tala. Get your game of football in. Bus brings you down to the probs. You get free raise curry and you get Paul Stone on the Rebs. Rovers fans singing the tunes. What more do you want, Prof? Get Yeezer five-a-side tickets. <laughs> Champions League game, Prof. It's on Tuesday. And we know it's 7.30 kickoff RTE. But get your ticket. Get Yeezer tickets. Don't mind the telly. So um, get Yeezer tickets, Prof. It's what it's all about. Let's sell this out. So Yeah, this is our... <coughs> Jesus. I can't imagine why anybody would be on the fence for this game. I, I can't, couldn't wrap my head around it, but this will be our first Champions League home game with a full stadium allowed in 10 years. I was only talking about it to the lads and barely about the European nights in the sun and talent on a Tuesday. Oh, man, I cannot wait. The buzz is already enveloping me. Can't we? So, yeah, last year's Slovan game was restricted, wasn't it? To one or, was it one and a half thousand? I can't remember now. Hmm. And just before we go, we're, we're going to Body Well, I don't know if we're going to Body Buffet, but the team is. And something we haven't touched on the show, actually, it was in the news a while back. The Donegal Community Stadium got a bit of good news there. It's, Ooh, yes. it's officially in progress. The signs are good. It's going to be a 6,000-seater stadium. Uh, it's going to cost $8 million and uh, $1 million has already been spent on it. And they're hoping to have it mostly built by September 2023, around the time of our stand actually being built. Lovely. Similar timeline. So they're going to lay the pitch around then. So it's good to see, <laughs> unlike our Dublin neighbours, it's good to see stadiums being announced and then followed through. Bit of progress, yeah. And this is not a phrase I use often because it annoys me. But this is great for the league. It is. And you know what? I'll, I'll miss Bally Buffet. I'll miss Finn Park. I won't miss the view. But roll on. This new stadium. Hopefully it gets done for them. Yeah, you have to move on from stadiums. You really like, do, yeah. Like Bally Buffet. You can't just... Like, what was it? Some 
some article was it in the Shells program or something called Tala Sol's Vacuum on all this and I mean like do you want to live in Talca Park forever? Yeah, do you want to be surrounded by piss and dead rats? I think I'd rather win trophies in a modern stadium. Yep, but, um, thank you. Did you notice the, I love the artist's impressions of new stadiums? And that one was like a real, it was like a football manager Very cool, stadium. yeah, very cool. Uh, someone said all that was missing was the Audi Horgan statue. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. So that's it for this week, Prof. We are buzzing. We are go- well. We're not going to the buffet. <laughs> Any lifts? Uh, no, <laughs> lift to take a Leicester to Bally buffet. So that is it for this week, and we will hopefully uh, three points and a little a little booster before we go to Malta. So that is it. And keep on hooping. See you.